Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 304 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host for the next couple hours of intense gaming discussion. Alongside me to do that is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? No, not much. It's only been like two days. I know. <laughs> not much could have happened in the no. last like day and a half. Yeah, we were just here uh, on Sunday for the big Xbox and Bethesda showcase. Had a good time doing that. Had the uh, Got the archive up the next day. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed that if you weren't able to make it for the live stream. We had a really good time. And I would also add, one of our best streaming audiences ever. Mm. As, far, mm. as far as uniques, average number of viewers for the stream, everything. Like our metrics for Sunday were amazing. So thanks to all you guys. Also, I should add that so many people helped us with Twitch Prime during that stream as well. Um, it was a great stream for us. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Um, and the archive is up at sifted.net and at our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted right now if you weren't able to make it and you want to check it out. But here we are with Game Face. And the good news, Matt, is that we have plenty of content for Game Face two days later because we didn't really tackle anything else around E3 mm-hmm. slash Summer Game Fest um, on that stream. We just talked about Xbox and Bethesda, which was a lot, I would add. Um, but yeah, we have pretty much the whole rest of the show to talk about. And we're going to do that on today's show. Um, how do you feel about Xbox and Bethesda now that we're kind of a little removed from it? Do you feel the same way as you did? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Your impressions haven't changed on anything at all? Nope. I mean, that's kind of what I thought we were going to get. Yeah. I'm still kind of surprised that, um, a lot of the audience thought it was worse than we did. Because I thought even in hindsight now, I'm like, actually, that may, maybe a B minus was a little tough, um... But everyone yeah, else disagreed with us. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, consternation about it on on Twitter and such. Yeah, and so, like I don't I mean I don't know what anybody. I didn't expected. check any of that stuff out, so I don't know what anybody expected. Um, and a lot of it just devolved into this stupid, you know, Starfield is No Man's Sky shit. Oh, so other um, people are making that comparison. It's, I mean, I mean, it's been a subject, but it's, I mean, I think it's the dumbest comparison imaginable. Beyond like, I mean, it's a very shallow surface level thing. It's like, yeah, they're two games they about look space the exploration. Yeah. They don't look the same. They have very different art styles and very different. Like, I don't see any of the aliens running around that look like the No Man's Sky characters in in Starfield. I can't imagine there's going to be guys with like floating polygons for heads <laughs> and shit. Wait, um, what was that creature that you stumbled upon again? Oh, the Swagosaurus. Rex. Yeah. There the will probably be no Swagosaurus Rex either. Um, I mean, he's gone from right. They from removed the, the, him. Yeah. yeah, but they rebooted that universe a few times. But like, basically, what I'm saying is like, it's a space exploration game where you land on planets and walk around and do shit. Yeah, of course they're going to look somewhat similar because they're the same genre, but they don't yeah. look. Everyone's like, oh, resource gathering and crap. Like, yeah, you mean the thing that you've been doing in Bethesda games since 2012? <laughs> like, I had to suffer through resource gathering and crafting in Skyrim and Fallout, Fallout 4 and all. I mean, that's what they do. Yeah. And I really don't think it's going to be more focused on that than those games were maybe that hopefully the interface will be better because i thought the building in both of those games was terrible um and i only did it when the quests required me to mm-hmm. um you know i don't want to talk about how many times i've had how many minutes of my life have been spent watching that fucking mining animation in <laughs> skyrim like it's just but it's like all those things that people keep saying oh it's just like no man's sky we're already in bethesda games before the no man's sky even existed like there's yeah. just, just just skyrim with a spaceship like <laughs> and I'm fine with that. I think that's what people wanted, honestly. The only thing yeah. that I've, I've seen that felt like a, like a valid criticism uh, with some meat to it was the idea that if there's a thousand planets, a whole lot of those planets are going to be pretty boring because you can't put meaningful
meaningful content on a thousand planets, and you're not wrong about that. I have a question about that actually, because that was like one some thing. of that's just gonna be some of those are just gonna be ice balls, like where yeah, he's like, I know I can get methane there or something. You yeah, know? there's no way that they could build all those planets. Well, you and they see, don't build the world of Skyrim. Skyrim, it, it, there's it's procedurally generated, and then you tweak everything. Like that's, is that what they do? That's how open world stuff works generally. Yeah, you you kind of say I want this here and this here and this here, and you sort of generate it, and then you go in in the areas that you want to be mission centric or have specific things, and you put things where you want. You know, you handcraft little spe- sections of it, but nobody in like Ghost of Tsushima put every single tree there by hand. Like that's mm. not you, that would take decades. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, I but mean, it's, it's not like my point is it's not like No Man's Sky where it's literally the whole thing is procedurally generated. I think it is. Oh, you more think or less. it is? I think I think you the baseline probably is, and then you go in and you you tweak everything the way you want it to be. So I would guess that like say you've got an ice ball moon somewhere. There's probably create, like, like five or six interesting things on it, but mm-hmm. you, I'm sure you'll have some kind of scanner to tell you where the interesting things are. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, if you land like random place, you could just like probably drill for you know, sulfur or whatever, and or whatever you want resource-wise, but otherwise there's not much around unless you're actively looking for something. So I would guess, like, almost everything would have, like, some kind of... Even, and even you could procedurally generate a procedurally generated dungeon <laughs> on, like, each moon. Like, you wouldn't, uh-huh. you know, you wouldn't have to do much with it. And, like, sometimes, certainly, if you play Skyrim long enough, it feels like that's what they did. Yeah, it's it like, like I don't yeah. feel like a lot of handcrafting in some of those one-off dungeon little yeah. caves you find and mm-hmm. stuff. So that's what I expect it to be. I expect it to be kind of, like... You know, Mass Effect's planets where it's like, okay, there's like five things around, but otherwise there's just a lot of space. And look, you need boring places in space exploration games. You need, you know, ex- uh, uh, Elite Dangerous knows this too. You need places that aren't interesting to highlight the parts that are interesting. Yeah, because otherwise it just turns and into a drone. One of the, sh- you know, I love No Man's Sky. Everybody knows I love No Man's Sky. But the, one of the shortcomings of No Man's Sky is that when you find, you know, an observatory or a ruined building or an ancient monument, they're all the same thing. Yeah. Like, they're all going to do the same thing. You're going to look at this, and it's going to teach you, you know, words from the language. But I've known all the words in the languages for, like, four years at this point. So, like, none of that does me any good. Whereas a Bethesda game, I'm sure, will have some kind of rudimentary lore or story in it where you're going to be able to go or find a useful item or something. Like, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that No Man's Sky doesn't have that Bethesda specializes in and what I think will, will make it different. Um, also, it looks very more realistic. You know, yeah. like, like they're they're trying to do some kind of you know they're setting it in twenty thirty twenty three thirty, and they're trying to make it like some kind of believable hard sci fi thing. Whereas No Man's Sky is just like complete fantasy, cosmic horror on the cover mm-hmm. of an Isaac Asimov book, which you know like which is great. Like you know this basically what I'm saying is like there's been some editorials from a couple of places that I expect better from. I should add um, that like. Oh, it's just the same. It's like I can't imagine anyone's going to play both of those games and say there's only room for one of them in their library. Oh yeah, no way. Like it's like they are no. not replace. It's it's like I mean, I'll yeah. be honest. I kind of when I played No Man's Sky, I wanted it to be what Starfield is. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people. Yeah, did. I, I think I think, I think you're sure. right. Yeah. Um, I think some of the skepticism on being having that delivered now is just because it's Bethesda. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody trusts Todd basically. Mm-hmm. But, which is um, a shame. Which, but yeah, he earned it. Let's be honest. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, I mean, we had to sit through some Fallout seventy six stuff. We, you know, the big reminder of why we're there. You I know, mean, all their games there. launch buggy and yeah, yeah, sometimes borderline unplayable. I so. mean, like Fallout seventy six was just not a good idea. That was kind of like, the final nut. Yeah. On the wheel. Yeah, it was just sort of <laughs> like, oh, 
you you thought and like look how long it's been since the, you know like so I think at least subliminally people realize like oh this is all we're getting from them for years yeah years and you yeah. know like that was it that was all they put that you know that was all they put out in that, that generation basically other than the remasters of things yeah um it's like you know to some degree I get it. Um, I understand why PS3 owners were, were still bitter about what Skyrim yeah, was. You know, I, I get, I get it. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, to me, the whole like, oh, it's like No Man's Sky thing is about as insightful as saying Quake looks like Doom. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. And Vaguely. Yeah. What, yeah, sure. They're both first person shooters. What? They what's your point? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's a rocket launcher in both of them. Clearly, <laughs> there's no originality left. It's like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking? Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, it's, it's just, it's nonsense to me. Um, and it's sad because it's the only. I didn't thing... notice that that was a big thing since that. Precedent. A bunch of a bunch of articles have come, and there's been some people mocking it or whatever. And I've noticed it because I think it's a dumb uh, comparison. I mean, I, I mean, it's an I obvious. I don't spend a lot of time. It's not a Twitter, dumb honestly. comparison, but it's an obvious comparison. It's like okay, and it's like, hmm. Yeah. What's your point? Like, you, you, what? What is it? What do you mean? Are you not going to buy it because you think it looks like <laughs> No Man's Sky? Are they you... just think they're making some kind of a profound point. I believe. Like, there's people. I mean, there were people because, saying. Let's be honest. There are like, people saying Hello like, Games should sue them. <laughs> And I'm just like, no, no. Why? why? Let's be honest. That's the currency of social media. Is if is cl- what you perceive to be a clever take. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. I came up with something. Did, 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 did. Let me see if, how many likes I get. Like, I hate that whole culture. Like, I hardly spend any time on Twitter because I don't need to. I have sifted. I don't need. Definitely don't mm-hmm. need to go on Twitter for any games information. Yeah. Well, the certain certainly the thing to remember about Twitter is that it's a it's a sliver of a sliver. Right. Like yeah. you, you can't extrapolate how any kind of majority feels from what people are saying on Twitter. That's true. Yeah, I think a lot of people make that mistake. Yeah, because yeah. it's what it's like ten percent of the country has has Twitter accounts, and like ten percent of those people tweet at actually, all. Actually, tweet. At and all. then like one yeah. percent of that ten percent does like eighty percent of the tweeting. The tweeting. So it's yeah. like you're seeing a tiny, tiny fraction of people that do not represent. You know, statistically, simply are not representative of anything it's except true. themselves. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes it's 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 a good place to see where all the headlines for the various editorials are going up, and I'm just like, really, guys? Like yeah. you thought that? I mean, I realize you got to fill a quota. You got to you got to you got to write what you got to write and get the clicks. But uh, bleh. Like, I don't understand how a lot of these journalists and also have the time that, to spend so much time on Twitter. Also, that like, is what are well, you because doing? that's where you like, get the engagement. Like because like, the numbers in engagement and clicks are so low now in game journalism that that is actually a good use of their time. Wow. I just don't have time. It's I'm not always like, working on something. It's not the old days. Like, it's not the old. Well, that eh, might be part of the problem. Maybe it's maybe not. The, right. It's not the old days when, like you know, you wanted a hundred thousand views on something if it was just a standard story you put up that day. Like mm-hmm. that kind of traffic doesn't exist anymore unless yeah. maybe your IGN. Yeah. Um, and even IGN put up their own comparison. But the other thing is like that's all anybody was talking about about that's that a shame, presentation. There was a lot like there's more... a lot of other stuff in that presentation, yeah. but everyone's you know I guess obviously Starfield's going to be a big deal. But all it was was like skepticism about Starfield and like I you know sure like but it's also like I don't know man like maybe it's just I'm too old for this, but it's like. Every game looks like a minor miracle to someone who grew up with an Apple IIe. Yeah, like you know, like <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, that, that character Our perspective in the, is different. In the yeah. one shot of the Starfield trailer, that what character's face doesn't animate on the right side? I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I, I the faces I grew up watching were 14 pixels, yeah. with holes in them we, to be eyes. We like, definitely that, have a different perspective. Yeah, like the, sure. I mean, I, I we can appreciate see, things a lot more. I, I, think, I can than... see things that are like you know less or better or whatever, but like. <laughs> 
Starfield is a miracle. Yeah. Starfield, like, I, I can't, you know, all, even with all its shortcomings, whatever bugs it launches, there's going to be part of me. This is like, yep, this is the game that was in my head when I was 10. I didn't think it would ever exist. And you go back and show that trailer to 10-year-old me in 1986, and I would probably just die. You'd faint. Yeah. yeah I, I, I would not be able to handle <laughs> be it. like a fainting goat. Like, show me a video game that looks better than movies did. Then. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about one, actually, here in a little bit on this episode of the show. Um, let's see. I'm in a really good mood today. I really feel like when E3 ends, or Summer Game Fest, whatever you want to call it, to me, that's like the official kickoff of summer. That's when I know summer's here, and like maybe I can start thinking about like maybe a little like long weekend vacation or whatever. I'm wearing shorts today. I don't know if I've ever worn shorts to record Game Face. I am just in that state of mind. The hmm. kick the feet up, enjoy life. It's also kind a little of warm in here. I turned the air conditioning on. <laughs> I've got to wear shorts then. Um, but I hope you guys are too. I hope you guys are kind of in the afterglow of all the great stuff that we got to see over the last week or so. We're gonna, As I said, we're going to wrap all that stuff up for you guys today. And actually, before we get going here, let's pop into chat and see what's up with you guys today. I hope you guys are having a great day like I am. Uh, <laughs> nice legs. Definitely not. You guys... <laughs> You guys may want to put on some sunglasses to make sure my legs don't blind you because my legs are about as white as they get. I appreciate the compliment, though, Sneaky. <laughs> That's great. Um, Danboy says you can steal spaceships. I am excited. Hmm. Okay. That's cool. Uh, Commander Fett says, for me, it was Fallout 4. I lost so much faith in Bethesda after that game. I actually really liked Fallout 4. I know Matt did not, but... Yeah, yeah I, did, I mean, most of my, I, I admit that a lot of my dislike of Fallout 4 is just specific to me like things i don't like about how they did things mm-hmm. um but yeah like fallout 4 was a, was a the worst thing they've ever made to me yeah um veritas says still haven't fixed matt's mic clipping there's no way to fix it matt when you i don't know if you realize this or not but when you get really excited i lean in you lean yeah. into the microphone so when i go home to start working on the show and i lay it out on a timeline i can see all these spikes pops yeah and there's no there's no setting i can set it on to keep that from happening with Matt. So um, maybe you could try to think about it, but I just yeah. think it's just in you. I don't think you're going to be able to change. No, um, I, I lean into someone's face when I'm yelling at them, too. Like, that's just how it is. That's... <laughs> yeah. So anyway. The I'm... microphone is all of you. <laughs> <laughs> so I know on the live show, a lot of times there is clipping when Matt gets real excited about something, but I do go in, and when I lay the show out of time on, I go in and like take the volume down on each one of those. So the archives usually sound really good. Uh, but I hear you. But it's Matt. That's just the way it is, and that's the way we're going to roll. Hear you. They hear me. <laughs> See, you just did it. Yeah. <laughs> that was intentional. Um, Sneaky asks, would you rather 100 planets made very good or 1,000 okay planets? I think there will be 100 very good planets. Yeah. And 900 okay planets. Yeah, I think and right. I'd rather have that. <laughs> I'd rather have what um, Starfield is doing than just having randomly generated yeah. billions of planets. Yeah. I think it's a good... I never touched... Also, it's a good medium between, like... You half, know, not even half. Half. I'd never touched, like, 99.9% of the planets in No Man's Sky. I never went to. No, no one will. Like, yeah, you, you, or you, ever there's will. There's too many for all of humanity to <laughs> find in all the time we've existed. Like, yeah. Like, you know, so it's, there's that end of the scale, and there's, like, something like Outer Worlds, which is, like, five. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, you know, and I think this is a pretty good medium medium target. It's, it's more than... than it's enough to sound impressive, but not so much that I think that everything's just going to be a, a garage shaded ball. Yeah. You know? um, more more manageable than what uh, you know, and, and the whole thing is more manageable than what uh, Elite Dangerous is doing because that's a full replication of the Milky Way, and um, the and it's more manageable than what Star Citizen is doing because they're not trying to simulate going to the bathroom and getting up every morning and doing all this. And it's <laughs> the inane <sighs> stuff. <laughs> 
that game. Yeah. Just every time I read something about it, it's just like, what are you doing? Like they put up. I mean, I get all the updates because I'm a backer. I mean, from from ten years ago. That was yeah. ten years ago. <laughs> That's hard um, to believe. And I have a bunch of like the other ships in the. I could put like seven, eight hundred dollars in before they stop doing the lifetime insurance thing. Um, but like. Yeah, so I got all the updates and stuff. There, it's like they started this whole new like, like they want like accurate soft body physics on the like the sheets. Like they're they're like launching, they're doing this whole thing now. They keep doing updates of it. it's like, oh, we're gonna figure out so when a, a character lays down on a bed, all the sheets deform yeah. properly. Yeah. And I'm like, make the game. Like, what are you <laughs> fucking doing? Like, who gives a shit? Like, and because yeah. you know the thing is so buggy and the alpha is so nonsense. Like, when the game launches, no one's going to lay down in the bed. The character monster is going to T-pose standing up on the bed. And you're just like, well, I guess we'll fix that later. It's just like, it's so dumb. Just put, everyone who's in Squadron 42 is going to be dead by the time they put that game out. It's ridiculous. I just want to play a Wing Commander game, people. Yeah. Just put out the Wing Commander thing. Yeah. Uh, That's why I want EA to sell itself, because maybe somebody <laughs> will make a Wing Commander game again, and I don't have to worry about Star Citizen anymore. Yeah. Um, let's see. Before we get, one, get going, let's check in on chat again. Um, Iviz, thank you for Twitch Prime. I know a lot of you guys gave us Twitch Prime um, at, during... Oh, here's a couple. Lettuce7, thank you for Twitch Prime. There's a couple. Nerdcast MX, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, first time chat, Lebo 81 Hello. Welcome to our live stream of Game Face. We're here every Tuesday... At 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Hope you will come back and join us for future episodes. Uh, what else we got here? Um, Iviz, first time chat. You've been on our stream for forever. Hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing you so many times, and they're saying it's your first time. Well, hello from London. Hello from Los Angeles, friend. Hope you're enjoying the show. Croak, thank you for the 100 bits. That's awesome, man. Um, Immortant... Immortan Joe. Congrats. I'm trying to like and comment on YouTube to help with engagement too. Thank you. That's really important. Um, even if you guys are patrons or subscribers to our content, you can still go and like and leave comments on the public versions of our stuff that goes up a few days later for everybody else on our YouTube channel. We need that engagement. It helps with the algorithm. At least I think it does. <laughs> In theory, nobody, nobody really knows for knows. sure. <laughs> so I appreciate that, man. That's really that's really awesome. Immort Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe. That's from Fury Road. Ah, okay. Oh, all right. Um, and thank you again for Twitch Prime, Ibiz. You the man. Um, Twitter hating things? No. That's <laughs> Veritas. Uh, okay, I think that's it. People drop in the NASA punk line. People have picked up on that for sure. Yeah, I noticed they're not bringing that up anymore. No, they, <laughs> they dropped it. Minority Games, thank you for subscribing. That's awesome. AJ the Legend Watson, look at you giving out the... Tier 1 subs to people in our chat. Another reason why you should show up and watch the show live. Uh, Johnny Hurricane, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome, man. I hope you're doing good. Croak with more bits. Surf Spider with Twitch Prime. All right. I think we're finally caught up. I think we're ready to get on with the show proper. But before we do that, here is a word from our sponsor. A once-in-a-lifetime property is now available in Northwest Montana featuring 92 acres of gorgeous wilderness, approximately one mile along the Blue Ribbon, trout-rated Kootenai River, and an eye-popping view of the Cabernet Mountain Wilderness Area. This is truly an outdoorsman's paradise. You can use the restored and remodeled barn with living quarters as a year-round home, vacation cabin, fishing retreat, horse ranch, or cattle ranch. Contact Doug DeShazer today for additional pictures, information, and an opportunity to view this very special piece of Montana. 
And with interest rates starting to rise, now is the time to pull the trigger on a home or property. Even if you're not able to relocate to Montana, worry not, sifters. Doug DeShazer has facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. He can find you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live in the U.S. Feel free to contact Doug with any questions regarding real estate at DeShazerMT at gmail.com or give him a call at 406-291-1643. That's 406-291-1643. Thanks again to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring Game Face. If you'd like to do that yourself, and you can sponsor anything. You can sponsor your own YouTube channel if you want or your own Twitch channel. Just head to patreon.com slash sifted and check out the tiers there and you can find out about sponsoring the show. And with that, it's time to get on with Game Face 304, Matt. We have a good show today, I think. I think we have an awesome show. I saw some people in chat being like, man, there's nothing going on. Yeah, there is. We got good stuff today and I'm excited about this show. Um, Ibiz explains that he had to create a new, new account. So that's why we've seen him around, but he just got his first time chat badge or whatever. Also, we're on level four of the hype train already. That's awesome. You guys are awesome. Um, Croak, dropping some tier one subs as well. You guys are great, man. Thanks. Really appreciate all the support you guys are giving us. We need it. Um, okay, we're going to kick things off today discussing the rest of Summer Game Fest, E3 2022, whatever you want to call it. Um, the other big event that we have yet to talk about in any capacity between you and I is Jeff's big Summer Game Fest live stream that happened late last week. And it was huge. <laughs> there were, I've got a list here of all the stuff. And I, I don't know if you guys can really see it. Let me switch to my camera here. It's just a quick rundown of everything mm-hmm. that was in it. And it, it was a lot, man. <laughs> the show was loaded, but I don't know if it was loaded with stuff that most people care that about. Had a lot of content. <laughs> there was a lot there, but a lot of it felt pretty vapid i i would argue he probably could have cut it down to an hour and it would have been amazing and instead it was two hours and good but not great i would argue and he's also you can see the lower third there says fest for the rest he was fighting an uphill battle here because xbox and bethesda decided it was going to do its thing although i don't i would argue that it didn't seem like it hurt him all that much because there wasn't a lot of third-party stuff in bethesda Mm -hmm. and xbox's presser um, so it seemed like maybe he could have scored a little bit more of the big third party stuff than he did, but still he got some pretty good stuff. And I would argue more stuff than I thought he was going to get before I watched it. Um, what were your overall impressions of summer game fest, Matt? Um, I'll be honest. I can't really remember much of it. Isn't that an indictment on, yeah. <laughs> on summer game fest? Yeah. I mean, did you watch the whole two yeah. hours? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I remember Last of Us and Batman and Batman. A couple indie things. You mean things. Gotham Knights? Gotham Knights. Yeah. A couple indie things. And you remember Gotham Knights probably because it didn't look. It was just horrible. And <laughs> oh, I remember man. those two because they're the last things in the show. Basically, right. there was Callisto Protocol. There was some, you know, I. Mm. Yeah. There actually was a lot. We're going to discuss. I there like I just showed you the list. There's a ton of stuff, but I chopped it down to probably like nine or ten things that we're going to actually di- going to discuss. Um, there were no big game reveals per se. No, like, which he which he said he had said beforehand that that was going to be the case. So fair play. Game game awards is for the reveals. Summer, yep. summer game fest is for 
I don't know. I don't know what it's for. I don't know. So the other thing too was there was actually a, an in-person element to Summer Game Fest. Mm-hmm. And what it really amounted to is that Street Fighter Six was there. <laughs> and then everybody played the crap out of Street Fighter Six and reported on it. But it was it was smaller even than the year that E3 was in Santa Monica. Yeah. That was 2006, I think, or 2005. I can't remember which. No, it was six or seven. Okay. 2005 was the first year we did live. Right. Yeah, so it was six or seven. And that was really disappointing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I remember going to that, and I was like, this is E3? Yeah, it was like two lines of like 12 kiosks. And, and still probably double the size of what Jeff had for an in-person event. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't seem like a lot of news came from it. It just seemed more symbolic than anything. Like him put planting his flag and saying, this is what yeah. Summer Game Fest is going to be. This is the yeah. beginning, and next year I want this part of it to be bigger and better. So yeah. right now we have we had the ESA... Come out and say, we're doing E3 in person and digital next year. And the very next day, Jeff Keighley saying, I'm doing Summer Game Fest next year, same week. And it's also going to be digital and physical. How is that going to shake out, Matt? I don't know. We'll see if ESA even does it. Yeah. At least I know Jeff's really going to do it. He will do it. Yeah. Unless ESA signs some kind of a deal with him. Yeah, I, I think he's done with that. Yeah, like messing all, with the ESA. Like all the all the the talk, even before the pandemic, all the talk was like he's he's done with the ESA. Mm-hmm. I think you may be right. Um, and what would happen if they both try to do it, or if they both do do it? What would happen? Uh, nothing really. <laughs> imagine if like people would go to both. Imagine if there's the E3 at the convention center that the ESA throws, and then Jeff has some other in person thing in. I've, I yeah. think Jeff's thing would become where all the industry people go. You think? Because everyone knows Jeff, and we all know each other, and that would be a place that the public couldn't get into necessarily the same way. I think, like, our circle um, of friends would probably attend Jeff's thing. Yeah. Because it's probably going to be more casual. And we just, like, watch streams of, of E3, <laughs> yeah. of, like, of like the show floor. was like, glad we're not there. Yeah. And at least there's stuff to play here, unlike the Marriott lobby. You know? Right. Like, I could see it becoming, like, a hangout for, for the uh, the old guard Mm-hmm. Um, journalists and, and devs who don't want to be bothered. Right. Like um, it's kind of a safe haven they can go to. Yeah. Yeah. And like you just go to the floor when you have business. How do you, you think that'll be for the industry if there's two events at once? Is that good or bad? I don't know. I it's mean, hard to really figure out, isn't it? I mean, it might be. I mean, I th- I'm sure Jeff's plan there is he's serving a, a, a need and a mm-hmm. desire, which is that like the people who like kind of really are part of the industry and, and are sort of the illumin- the luminaries want it to be a certain way. And the ESA wants to basically do Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And so this sort of allows Jeff to, you know, Jeff, I think what he's, I mean, I'm sure there will be like some public presence, but like, I think Jeff is basically doing, his theory here is like, what if I just do Pactor's party for a week? Pretty much. It kind of seems that way. While the ESA does this thing where like, because more and more I've I noticed as in the last years of E3, like, you know, the people whose names I recognize, the people I know never went to the floor until unless they had you know if they had an appointment you go out there but yeah. mostly they just hung out at bars or yeah or in meeting rooms or anywhere but e3 yeah and maybe jeff sees an opportunity to sort of have those people all on hand mm-hmm. and like frankly if that's where those people are that's where e3 is it is yeah so that's where you build from is like you you can attract you know if you can attract like the the head of respawn and the and the heads of VA and then the and the people that make the games want to hang out where you are, 
and then the journalists follow them. Like, what's at E three anymore? Yeah. It's basically just like an event for the public, which games. might as well yeah, might as well be yeah, but not games you can get your hands on. Right. Because like no one plays the games on the floor in the in the press or the or the. I industry. mean, there's a few publishers that still like Bandai Namco. Sure, but Ubisoft. no. But when was the last time you did that and didn't just have an appointment? Oh, you mean us? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Like that that part of the show is really not relevant to the people that would be going to, to Jeff's thing. <clears throat> yeah, because a lot of times when you have an appointment, you don't even go into the booth where everyone else is playing yeah. it. You go into a private room in the back where yeah. it's a little. Or you go to quiet. a totally separate meeting room in a completely different part in of the. Hotel across or the street. Or in the hotel, yeah, in the Marriott. Yeah. Like, that happens a lot. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I know people that have done their entire E3 business in 2017 on never leaving that hotel. Yeah. Yeah. It's changing. Or changed, really. It's not even changing. It's yeah. changed. So yeah. ESA gets to, gets to do whatever passes for spectacle on the floor for the people they're charging money to attend. Mm-hmm. And Jeff sort of takes over the industry side of things and the press side of things. I could see that happening. Yeah. I'm a little sad we're not going to be doing our best of E3 awards this year. For the first time ever in the history of Sifted, we will not be doing them. Because it's just not right. There's nothing to I've do. not played anything. So, I mean, and really no one has other than Street Fighter, Jeff's little in-person thing that he did. Um, and actually, we're going to kick off the discussion of Summer Game, F- Game Fest big production with Street Fighter Six. He showed the first trailer for Guile, one of my favorite Street Fighter characters of all time. How do you feel about Guile, Matt? Oh, he was my main guy in 4. Oh, he was your main? Yeah. Oh, okay. That, uh, it took me forever when I was a young lad to get the backflip kick hmm. in the arcades. Because it's different from a lot of the other moves that you would do in Street Fighter back in the day. Uh, but once I got it, I loved it. Because you could just sit there crouched and just wait for people to jump in. And against most other characters, it would win almost every time. Well, Guile's the best character in the first Street Fighter 2. He is, yeah. Like, for sure. It, like, that's like the whole thing. It's like you, you put up a bunch of... You put up Street Fighter 2, Vanilla Street Fighter 2 in front of some Street Fighter pros, and it's just like, who can get to Guile first? Yeah. That's it, because you can't pick the same character. Right. In the original <laughs> one. Um, it was a race. And yeah. like, that's literally... Like, there's people I know who just like... Like, they won't... You, they can, You cannot beat them. As, like, even like... You're talking about like Justin Wong versus like... No Alex matter Bayer, who like, it like, It's like, if whoever gets Guile is going to win. Yeah. Like, if they know how to use it. If him. you get touched... You're dead. Yeah, that's it. Like yeah. you know, because that game is broken, mm-hmm. and like, but it's broke because it's broken is why combos exist. You know, yeah. like it's, yeah, it's true. you know that's why all those versions came out. But like at high levels of play, Guile is unbeatable in the original Street Fighter Two. Um, not so much after that. Yeah, yeah, they um, definitely nerfed him over time. But I still enjoyed him very much in uh, in Four, which was unusual because I'm not usually a charge character person. Mm-hmm. But he just kind of clicked with me, and I was I was decent with him. What have you thought about Street Fighter now that we've seen so much of it over the last week? I mean, it looks interesting. It's different, uh, like with the heart attacks and the and the more like based around that kind of like give and take counter stuff. Lots well, um, of Chun Li gameplay came out of. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm still not a big fan of the art style. Like, I don't like yeah. how Guile looks in this. Really, I don't like, either. He's, he's yeah. That does, he, the Guile usually, like, he's not a skinny guy, but he doesn't look like that. It's Beefcake, like, like yeah. I don't know why he's got shoulders like the size of a couch. Um, but like you know, a lot of it looks cool. If I can get, get you know, that's a cool super. Like I don't know, I gotta get my hands on it, I guess. But um, what did you think of the Chun Li stuff that you've seen? It's good. I mean, Chun Li. I, <laughs> I yeah. I don't have much response. It's just like it's Street Fighter. Like, I, I acknowledge it's Street Fighter. I think it's smarter to show the original eight guys when you're first starting your promotional cycle. I think people care more about that. Yeah, and I think they have more of a. Um, a 
frame of reference mm-hmm. for like what they were before to see what the differences are. Like if you show me something like Luke, I'm not going to really understand. Yeah, you know, I'm going to yeah. be like, okay, that's new. But like, it's a good point. If you're watching a character you're familiar with, it's easier to sort of pick out the differences in the new stuff and and you know, oh, that's an old move, but it seems to work like this now. So that must be because this system works like this and that kind of you know. You, it, you get um, you have a lot more context when you're watching characters you're familiar with. So. Yeah, um, and my guess is you know shortly we'll, we'll start getting some of the some looks at the newer characters, although they may go through the original eight first. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but it's been a big blowout for Street Fighter. 6. I think you probably do a thing where like you you show two new two original characters and then throw in one of the new ones in. Mm-hmm. You know you, you you put the you put the pill in a, in a little pocket of. Of, of tasty meat. <laughs> yeah. I think the game looks good. Um, as I've watched more gameplay footage of it, I've started to understand the new fighting system a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting and at least a little bit different from what I'm used to with Street Fighter. Uh, so that's exciting to me to kind of learn that new system that they've employed. The drive system, I believe it's called. Um, so I think it looks good so far. I agree with you. I do not like... I don't. I haven't liked the look of Street Fighter for a while, honestly. Yeah, I think... It, I mean, this, the look of it... I liked it in 4... I did and not. Five really. was okay, and the five was a little rubbery mm-hmm. for me. This is plasticky. Not, this I doesn't thought. have the plasticky so much beyond like what is already inherent in that right. engine. <laughs> in that engine, yeah. but like, I don't. Know, there's something about the proportions that I don't like in mm-hmm. the characters in this. I'm but, surprised uh, the RE engine has proven to be very flexible. Yeah, they they built. I mean, <laughs> they tout that thing. Every trailer for Capcom. They show they put up Ari yeah, engine they, like they, it's this thing that everybody I mean, they built like. A th- they built a thing that did what they needed to do, which is just about everything. It's yeah. impressive. I mean, you should have ta- EA should have talked to them. Probably still should be making games in Unreal Engine five, but that's just my opinion. But yeah, I don't know. Everything I, mean, I see Unreal from Engine, Unreal Engine five, Unreal like, Engine five has never you know Unreal Engine five uh, maybe. But I don't. We don't know the capable. Unreal Engine has been not great for fighting games for a lot of long time. I mean, it took Nether Realms a long time to kind of get there their head around that and updates, you know, working with Epic to get, you know, go look at those original, you know, Unreal 3 fight, uh, Mortal Kombat's and they are rough. Mm-hmm. And part of that's just Netherrealm's weird art style. But like, yeah. it's, Unreal Engine doesn't do everything great. Yeah. Um, they're getting there. over time it yeah, keeps they, inching in that direction though. As you work on it and they add new tools and they add, yeah, yeah. They, they, they're like, oh, we need this to work. Like, and, and that's the bonus. Of, the, the advantage of Epic is like, you can go to them, especially if you're a prominent AAA developer and be like, yeah, we'd like it if you could, if they could do something like this. Yeah. And they'd be like, okay, we can work with that. So yeah. that helps. I mean, we'll see what Unreal Engine 5 can, can churn out. I am mean, very curious. I mean, curi- we're starting to see it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, but I, those aren't fighting games. Yeah. But every, ver- every game that I see, I can tell it's Unreal Engine 5. But I'm very curious to see what fatalities will look like in Unreal Engine 5. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh my gosh! I predict that in the, the next Mortal Kombat, we will finally see a fatality where, when the when the intestines are ruptured, actual fecal matter. Comes oh out. no, they won't go I that far. I think they will. You really think they I think, will? I, I think that's I think this kind of brains you're dealing with over there. Wow, that is like you were talking about, like, you know, like like being like younger and watching Evil Dead and, and loving all the like, crazy gore kills and stuff. Like that's yeah. what Mortal Kombat is now. It kind of is. Yeah. I mean, it always was to some degree, but now yeah. they can really lean into it. Into it. I think you're going to see some anatomical violence in an Unreal Engine 5 Mortal Kombat. Okay, next up, Aliens Dark Descent. Matt, it feels like we've been waiting I admit for... I missed this one because I, I went away from the computer for a oh, while. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, and I came back and people were like, I'm like, there's another Aliens game? Like, what do you... Come on. Like, yeah. how, how many times are we going to try this? Unfortunately, this trailer does not really show off what the game is. It's just kind of a cinematic that sets up the tone of the game. But it's an isometric game mm-hmm. that you play with your squad mates, but it is single player. 
Um, and the write-up for the game says, infiltrate large open levels and annihilate enemies with your squad in an isometric perspective, dispatching orders strategically and intuitively at the touch of a button. Tread carefully, as your foes will adapt their tactics to your actions while hunting you down, because death is permanent. Forge unique paths for survival, uncovering shortcuts, creating safe zones, and setting up motion trackers, which I think is really cool, in a persistent world where your actions impact levels forever. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Imagine if you blow a wall up, that wall staying stays up. there forever, yeah. I guess. Which means I'm guessing you would come back to that level, that area later. I like the the whole concept of using motion trackers. That is a huge part of the films that I feel like games have never really got right. And I don't know if this game will get it right either. The original Alien vs. Predator shooters did. Yeah, because it had it on the gun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they haven't been isolation a big part did. of the games. Isolation, the motion tracker was your lifeline. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's true. So, yeah, maybe I'm wrong on that one. Maybe they have done a pretty good job. But I love that it's going to be more of like a something where you set them up across the map in hopes of like creating this web that mm-hmm. will detect the aliens before they come in and maybe give yourself a, a little bit of a, uh, an advantage against the xenomorphs. But, the, again, the trailer doesn't really show what the game is really about. It's just more of a tone setter, introducing some of the characters. Um but it plays isometric. The characters on the screen are small. Um, but the game looks good. For some reason, Matt, I always, when I see isometric games, I always, like, my brain jumps to, like, indie for some reason. I don't know why that is. And I always I think know. that... Diablo's isometric. I know, I know. And that's, like, my exception, I think. This sounds like XCOM a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. I don't think it's... It's not turn-based. No, things. but, like, what they're talking about is very XCOM-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to talk about a game here in a minute that we thought was XCOMish, but it turns out it really isn't all that XCOMish. Baldur's Gate Dark. I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't associate that perspective with with uh, indie, um, just because all the games that I, you know, th- those are all pretty major games. I guess like you're more likely to see an indie game these days using that perspective, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's an easy way to where you don't have to make sure that the graphics are spanking like top level. Except every isometric game I can think of in recent years has done that. Like, The Ascent is some of the most detailed graphics I've ever seen in anything. Like, But if you up. zoom in on, like, the character models in that game, like, they're not what no, you'd it, expect from no. modern games. But they're still real damn good. Yeah. Like... They have a, a distinctive art style in particular with that game. But um, generally, when you, when you create isometric games, you can get away with the character models and other objects not looking as good as they would be if... You know, you were up close in a first person or a third person perspective. Yeah, I don't think that's why people choose that perspective, though. I don't either. I think in this case, they just wanted, they thought it was a good way to represent the IP. And I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it could be maybe the first really good Aliens game since Alien Isolation. So um, I'm pretty excited for this, honestly. It's a different take on it, and I feel like it maybe should have been tried a long time ago. Um, but we're finally getting it here. And next up, another game. With space aliens to fight. And honestly, kind of the whole tone of Summer summer Game Fest in general. Callisto Protocol, the debut gameplay, was shown on Jeff's stream at Summer Games Fest. We got the trailer, the gameplay trailer before. And then Jeff had this first patch of real in-engine gameplay from the game. And in general, the Dead Space clone was a thing. At Summer Game Fest slash E3. There's a lot of games where you are exploring a derelict space station. (laughs) As like an engineer or just some Joe Blow guy who isn't a superhero, isn't a super soldier. Just kind of stumbles upon this place where all this insane stuff is happening with aliens and you have to kill them. 
What did you think of this first look at Callisto Protocol? I mean, it looks cool. Like, you know, definitely, I definitely see the uh, Dead Space pro- uh, pedigree. Yep. Um, G- generic weapons, but yeah, you can still dismember. So there's a shot here where he blows the guy's leg off, and um, there goes the arm. So there's still dismemberment in the game. You're just not using this very specific tool for it. You're just using regular guns, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to to. Those guns seem to have some special properties to them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe that's ammo type or something. Yeah, I but I thought it. I mean, it looks like a new Dead Space. Yeah, <laughs> it really does, um, as it should probably, uh, considering the person making it is the person who created Dead Space in the first place. Um, lots of violence, lots of gore. There's a nice finisher to finish off this little clip of gameplay. Um, obviously in Dead Space and in then Resident Evil 4, death animation's a big deal. It looks like that's going to be the case for Callisto Protocol as well. There's a scene coming up here where he gets put into a grinder. The uh, protagonist gets put into a grinder. And that's kind of where they finish the whole little gameplay snippet. But I think the game looks great. And as we said... There are all these Dead Space clones coming now. This looks like the best of them all. It looks yeah, better than the Dead Space remake. Like, I feel sorry for the other games that had to follow this. Right. That yeah. Were similar bent. Yeah. And there are so many. Why do you think that's happening, Matt? Why do you think I there's. No, so I don't. I, it's, I think it's, it's that, that thing where it's like every once in a while you get like. Yeah, so there's clearly some kind of. Te- you know, like, like telekinetic, telekinetic or other. gun thing there. Yeah. yeah. You're, you've got some he tossed sort of, the enemy into the fan there. And look at the reticle on the gun, too. It looks like yeah, you can changed. flip the orientation of it like you could with Whoops. the... Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> yep. They pulled no punches with that one, that's for sure. But it looks awesome. I'm really excited for the game. Mm-hmm. It's still supposed to come out in December 2nd. Um, so it looks like it's going to make it this year. It could sneak in there for Game of the Year contender at the last minute. Yeah, although not at the Game Awards. Yeah. Yeah, because it will be disqualified. Cut off. Yeah, it'll miss the cutoff. So for it'll that. be forgotten the following year. Yeah, probably because dude, next year is going to be. I hope mm-hmm. it should be insane. It may be one of the best years ever for games because we're getting like two years of delayed games all shoved into one twelve-month period. Um, so it should be awesome. But speaking of awesome, I think Callisto Protocol looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I, it has become one of my most anticipated games for the rest of the year. Maybe. Depending on what happens with God of War, my most anticipated. But right now, I'd be like God of War, Callisto Protocol, in that order. Mm. I think I'd be God of War, Xenoblade Chronicles, maybe Callisto Protocol after that. I'm, I might be forgetting something. You're not, because there's nothing else. No. There's Saints Row. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm interested in Saints Row. And I'm excited Row. for that, but not as excited as I I'd am. I'd probably for put Callisto. Saints Row over Callisto Protocol. I'm not oh, really. I'm not a huge. You know, you know me. I don't care about yeah. horror stuff that much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that game's looking hot, and it was one of the big games of Summer Game Fest in general. It started out with the gameplay trailer, finished off with... And actually, they ended up putting out a Schofield cut of that trailer that had even more gore in it, mm-hmm. an extended trailer. And then it follows up with this first, like, it's just two minutes of gameplay, which also which is a little strange. But um, followed it up with that, and I think overall, really, really good showing for that game in general. Uh, next up, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2... Complete remake, retool, rejob. Um, <laughs> this game is almost photorealistic mm-hmm. at times. Um, but it's still Call of Duty. And even though I am a big fan of Modern Warfare 2, it's one of the highest scores I've ever given to a first-person shooter in my career. Um, I thought it was amazing. And at the time, it was probably the best shooter I had ever played. Uh, I'm struggling to get too excited for this. Are you? 
I mean, I'm interested to play it again just to see what I think of it again because I also thought it. I mean, I think Modern Warfare Two is the best Call of Duty they've ever made. Yeah. Um, keeping in mind that most of my judgment comes from uh, campaign, right? Not multiplayer. Yep. But uh, like, this is the closest they ever got to telling a really good story. Yeah. Um, one and two. These put are the together. characters that people care the most about. Yeah. I would one argue. and two put together were the most compelling, and then like three is just oh, what a disaster. Um. Because three wasn't made by the people who made these games. Mm-hmm. They, the, the people who made one and two had already gone on to, to form respawn by yep. then. Um, but yeah, these these two get like I gotta be honest. Like I've played Modern Warfare two probably like five times, and I don't recognize this. It, I don't like, know. I know. It's, it's, What's it, like, this mission? I wouldn't know. This is the first mission. The first mission on the rig, but it's it's a little different. It looks like, completely different. It's it's not. I don't recognize it. It's I don't either. So, it does not feel familiar to me at all. No, which is good. Like it, yeah. it's yeah, that's that's a that's a solid remake. But yeah, this is this is that opening level. Like it's just yeah, like the the realism there is is a whole another level. I mean, graphically the game's looking amazing. And I yeah. do wonder what may happen for this franchise when it finally leaves last gen consoles in the dust and is only made for PS5 and Xbox series. Because uh, they're doing a pretty damn good job straddling the line already, yeah. honestly. I mean, like I said, like the the a lot of the stuff with like the next gen thing is just you know you're just turning the settings up to a degree you couldn't on the old hardware. Well, that's, that's all. I mean, um, ray tracing and there's there's a bunch. Ray of Ray tracing is one of those settings. Like there's nothing there that says you can't put ray tracing in a game that also runs on PS4 because you just turn them off on. PS4. A lot of people, a lot of developers just don't do it. Yeah, well, because it's not worth it, or it's or it. it I mean, takes I'll a be honest work. with you, Matt. And look, I have, it take, it I have take, started buying. I remember PS4, that word. PS4 and Xbox One versions of games because the third party games. It's not worth spending the extra ten bucks. It's not. Mm. You can play it, the PS4 or the Xbox One version of games on your PS5 or Xbox Series, and well, it still Xbox, runs in 4K. And well, looks the amazing. Xbox versions are all the same version, right? Like there is no difference. But they, them. you know what? They still sell the Series version for an extra ten bucks. I've never seen that. They do. They do. I the, like what the game that we're going to talk about today. I am playing the Xbox One version of the Quarry, and it is Xbox One. But you, but Halo Infinite. The box art for that just says Xbox. Right. They're all like that. No. I just literally bought the Quarry. I looked at the Quarry and there was a $60 version. There's there's like three versions of the Quarry. Well, there's the $60 version. There's the $70 version for the The $70 version has like deluxe stuff in it. I don't know. It's not. Only PlayStation is doing $70 for the the next-gen version. The box art says Xbox One on it. Hmm. I should have brought it. But yeah, it says Xbox One. Because I stacked it. After there, I put it in the console, and that's started... a change then, because for as far as I know, Microsoft made a big deal about the, the fact that like there is no distinction. Like the the, uh, the disc for the Xbox One is the same as the disc for the series. Like they are there are no differences. Yeah, the box art says Xbox One on it specifically. Because I put it when I stacked it on my shelf, I put it right Where'd on top of Halo it? Infinite. Because I what'd you say? Where'd you get it? Best Buy. Hmm. I swear, I look, I own because I almost bought the quarry because I was like, oh, you played it, and then you I looked should've. at it. I don't want to because it doesn't look like interesting to me. Also, you like, <laughs> also, the, I don't believe you. Also, um, not for me anyway. Uh, like, also, I, I, I just don't care about that format of game. Also, uh-huh. I thought it was weird. That, I mean, we'll get to the quarry. Yeah. I looked at it. I'm just like, oh, the multiplayer. I mean, I don't care about the multiplayer. But it was like, it doesn't go up till July 8th. I'm not giving you money for an unfinished game. Like, come on. <laughs> like, that's just weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't buy playstation 5 unless it's um exclusive i've been doing the same um, thing with ps i've been large, buying ps4 games instead large, of ps5 i started buying the ps5 third-party stuff and then i realized 
Third parties aren't writing to the metal on PS5. Like, if you can buy the PS4 version, it looks the same. So um, only I just don't have any third-party third stuff. Games, really. I only buy the first-party stuff for PS5. But, like, you are looking at things, you know, like the ray tracing thing. That stuff comes later a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Because, like, look at Horizon. Look at that new, the new patch that just went up. And now performance mode looks as good as as uh, quality did. Um, it's just, it, there's no reason to, to kill yourself to get that out at launch. Because there weren't enough... You know, PS5s out there at the time. Erebus Jones brings up that on that even Call of Duty on Xbox, you have to pay extra ten bucks for the series version. Activision did uh, do that. Not uh, a surprise. <laughs> uh, also, Act- I remember that Activision. I think was the first one to say they were doing that. Yeah, but uh, Xbox stuff generally doesn't do that. Certainly, Microsoft's own published stuff isn't like that. Yeah, one of the new pieces of tech in this new Modern Warfare is the water system, and yeah. Like, you can tell that it's new tech for Call of Duty games. It looks amazing, the water in this. And it makes a huge difference. Like, I can totally see why they chose this level to show off for the first gameplay. One, because it's the first mission in the game. Um, And that's what kicks it off. But two, because it really shows off the advancements they've made to the tech for yeah. the Call of Duty engine. And it did the same for the original game yeah. too. Like that was you it, know, did. it was in the rain and all the, the ship was moving and the Look waves at the were crashing water over everything. In this, though man, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean that was also true of the original at the time. You know, like that was it's you know it's it's the same demo basically with completely different tech. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks hot, man. Like I'm actually yeah. pretty excited to play this, honestly. I didn't get all the way through the Modern Warfare 1 remaster. I didn't either. Um, I played it enough to satisfy my curiosity. Yeah. And then I quit. I yeah. think I made it more than halfway. Yeah, I got I got past like I got back to the nuclear explosion. Yeah, and so I want to see what that looked like. Uh-huh. But like, yeah, it wasn't a whole lot. This there. game's gonna sell like crazy. Yeah, this is gonna be the best selling game of the year by a mile. Um, the last the last modern War, or modern warfare unless, one remake unless they get was that, the best selling COD in unless years. they get the GTA five current gen next gen thing out. I still think that it's too limited. There's not enough install base for that to beat Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. But I think this is going to sell through the roof, and hopefully, it's good enough that it uh, deserves it. But we'll see. And look at the wa- the water tech there. Like it looking pretty hot, I gotta say. And I have become glazed over when it comes to Call of Duty over the last like three or four years. Like I have not been excited to check out a Call of Duty game in a no. really, really long I mean, time. I haven't for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I think the last one I actually bothered to play was World War Two. Yeah. Whenever that was. Yeah. Was that three years ago? Four, I think. I can't remember. Yeah. They all bleed together. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Um, but anyway, that's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Complete Total Remake, and that is coming this year. And then we'll go two years without a Call of Duty game, which is pretty crazy to think about, like leaving all that money on the table. Yeah, you're going to need to remind me that that's happening next year because I'm not going to remember. You wouldn't even notice. No. <laughs> I hear you. Um, okay, so that's Call of Duty. Next up, a game that was first shown, I believe, in 2019, and I really liked it, and we talked about it on Game Face. We were both pretty excited for it, and then it just disappeared off the face of the earth for three years, and it just appeared out of nowhere on Summer Games Fest, and that is Witchfire. Okay, so Don Lionheart is saying that that's not a remaster of Modern Warfare 2. What is it? What we just looked at. This is a sequel to the second Modern Warfare. Yeah. Because they did another Modern Warfare. This is not a game we've ever played before. What do you mean? He's saying this is a sequel to Modern Warfare, the recent 2019 Modern Warfare. It is not Modern Warfare 2 that remade. That respawns guys made that remade. This is a because you know the Modern Warfare one. It was a not a 
moment for moment remake of the first one and that's what this is too they're taking liberties and no not changing the things. not the remake like modern warfare was a different game modern was, warfare one you mean the one that they released just not long a couple ago? years ago yeah no it had a lot of the same scenes and scenarios and stuff in it eh, i never played it but they're saying this is a sequel to that it's not uh, it's not a remake of the original modern warfare 2 but it has all the same characters from modern warfare 2 in it yeah i mean soap and Mc- all those guys Ghost and price and, and everybody's yeah. gonna be in there yeah yeah. So how do you do that after what's happened beyond without it being a rework of the original game? Because it's a different story, I guess. <laughs> so they're creating like parallel universes for Call of Duty now. I mean, like you said, they do blend together. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, does it matter? It doesn't. No. As long as it's good. Know. That's all that matters. The mo- like, so the Modern Warfare 2 remaster already exists. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a remake, though. This, this a is not a remake. This is a new game. I don't think that that's true. That's what Activision would say, apparently. Like hmm. the... the uh, Modern Warfare 2019 was 100% different to COD 4. It's just except the characters. It's a totally different story, Erebus Jones says. Hmm. So Modern, this is a completely new... That's why I don't recognize that beginning. It does seem to be on also on an oil rig. Maybe that was Modern Warfare 1, though. That, that is an oil shift. rig. That yeah. Scene. Modern, but Modern Warfare 1... I'm, I'm, I might be thinking Modern Warfare 1, the original, where you start the on OG. the... Where you attack the ship at the beginning. No. That's right. That's the beginning of that? You, you, you load out onto a ship... So basically what they're saying is Call of Duty is that Activision has managed to find a way to bring back the characters that people care actually care about. But with a completely new <laughs> story. The, that's really weird. I, I don't know, man. I thought for sure there were scenarios in the game from like 2019 that were in the original Call of Duty 4. Mm. I thought for sure there were. I mean, I can't tell you one way or the other because I didn't play it. Huh. I don't know. Well, we, we definitely need to clarify that. We'll talk about that next week on Game Face once I do a little investigating. Uh, but anyway, this is Witchfire. This is kind of a, I don't know, a Doomish, Circle Strafe style first person shooter. Um, it is having an early access period that's coming up at the end of the year. This exclusive to Epic Game Store. Um, and for those of you who don't remember what this game is about, here's like a quick synopsis that they provided. Uh, armed with strange weapons and forbidden pagan magic, this isn't just a shooter. You can also cast magic in this game. Hunt a powerful witch holding the key to your salvation. Witchfire is a dark fantasy roguelite first-person shooter from the creators of Painkiller, Bulletstorm, and The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Now, when they say that, it isn't the same studio that made those games. It's people who worked on those games mm-hmm. that are now on a new team working on... People who on... no longer fly. <laughs> right, right. Good one. Uh, who are now working on Witchfire. But I want more shooters like this, Matt. Less military, more supernatural... More boomer shooters? Yeah. I, I'm all about more games like this. Uh, this looks just like Doom. You there's think? No, there's, there's no reason to play this game. It's Doom. Really? That's, that's just like No Man's Sky and, and Starfield. <laughs> oh, I see. I see what you're doing. <laughs> no reason for this game to exist. We've already got Doom. <laughs> that's what I was told this week yeah. by the internet. <laughs> well, I'm excited for this game. Um, and it is there is an early access period coming before the end of the year. We don't know what the release date for it is yet. The other thing, too, is when it was announced, it was announced as an Xbox One and PS4 game. Um, yeah, this has been a long time coming. Yeah, but I think now it's probably been moved, too, because this is the PC version we're seeing right now. Obviously, it's running in 4K. I would imagine it's on everything now, yeah. Maybe. Um, a lot of developers are starting to ditch PS4 and Xbox One, though. Yeah, but if you've developed it this long... Again, it's just a setting. It's just a setting. Like, it's, you, you know, there's, there's very little in any game that is going to be like, oh, we could only do this on the next-gen systems. Like, you, like, there's very, very little that I can think of that that would be outside of performance mm-hmm. and now for that again you just turn the setting styles down like 
there's not anything inherent to the new hardware that it's just like, oh, you can do stuff that's never been seen before that could never run on the... It's, it's, it's not a thing. It's just not a thing. Like, stuff like the Ratchet and Clank thing where you're running through portals and you need that that speed of the of the hard drive, like, that's one thing, but that also couldn't work tremendously well on the Xbox. So, like, that's, not, that's a PS5-specific thing, so you're not even going to be able to really do that on a multi-platform thing. Yeah. So I don't really... When people talk about, like... Oh, I want stuff that could only be done on next gen. You're just turning, talking about turning the settings dials up. Like you're not talking. I can't think of anything that you could do that on on a next gen system that would just make it impossible to run in some lesser form on the PS4. Well, there's there has to be extra work done if you want to get the most out of PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. And some developers will go that extra mile and include that in the base code. And you're right. At that point, then it is turning it on or off, mm. but it still needs to be there to turn on or off. And some developers yeah, the, just don't go the extra mile when they're making that PS4 or Xbox One version. They'll some, just be like, you know what? We'll make this game so it looks as good as possible on PS4 and Xbox One. We're not going to add those extra things to turn on in our game. Some do, most don't, which is, again, I can't why really think of any of I've reverted that, to buying PS4 and Xbox One versions of games when I can. I can't particularly think of any a lot that have done that. But. DLSS... Hmm? Ray tracing. There's been ray that tracing stuff. and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, typically, if you try to run ray tracing on a PS4, even a Pro, or no, I'm, an Xbox you would One never X. turn the ray tracing on. You'd have to put it in the PS, the the next gen version. Yeah, my point is, is that some developers don't put that in there. And I'm trying to say, like, I can't recall a lot that don't do that. I can. Like, even Watchdog Legion had ray tracing. Well, I would expect Ubisoft's games to. Well, they didn't put it in Assassin's Creed. But like, Valhalla. I'm playing the Quarry right now. It doesn't have ray tracing. Yeah, but I'll, I'll, the quarry didn't look that great in the first place. Oh, yeah, so it does. It doesn't look like that great to me. Oh, just wait till you see this B-roll. It is going to blow your effing mind. I'm not kidding. It they, is one they of the best. They should have made a better trailer then. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to talk about the quarry, by the way. I'm really excited to talk about that game, but we'll get to it. Uh, next up, one of, the, <laughs> one of the Dead Space clones that we were talking about, a game card called, card, called Fort Solace. This is about as blatant a ripoff of Dead Space as you can get. Listen to even this description from the developers. <laughs> a single-player third-person thriller set on the far side of Mars. Engineer <laughs> Jack Leary responds to a routine alarm. Upon arriving at a dormant Fort Solace, he becomes unnerved by the lack of any staff at the base. Does this sound familiar to anyone? As the night grows longer, events begin to unravel and spiral out of control. The mystery of what Fort Solace was created for starts to appear along with its crew. Can Jack escape with what he has discovered? And more importantly, his life? <laughs> and then they go on to say there are huge narrative moments that are fully playable with multiple outcomes. So there is, it does seem like there's maybe a branching story path in this. Uh, and then it says each contains actions that have story-changing consequences. So it's Dead Space... With a branching story path, basically. Until Dead Space. <laughs> Actually, you're right. Um, this game is just going to get lost in the mosh, right, Matt? Probably. Yeah. Like I, Also, it's a terrible title. It really is. Like, Talk it about it tells the, you nothing. The, it, it should go toe-to-toe with The Quarry yeah. for most forgettable title for a video game. Fort Solace. Yeah, it's just right. so derivative. It doesn't look terrible. No, it doesn't, but it's just like... It's so similar. I mean, this just, is actually so similar yeah. to Callisto Protocol yeah. and the Dead Space. I feel like you're like, why just, does it exist? It's just going to get lost between those two yeah. things. And I'm I, sure those two things weren't in 
play when they started making this game yeah. but like i feel bad for this team yeah because they're like there's this huge void everybody loves dead space but there's no dead space make game. A game, make a game so let's make a dead void. space because like, we love yeah. it and then next thing you know that's just how it all worked out yeah i'm not i'm certainly not saying they're unoriginal they ripped off everything yeah. you know, that's not what i'm what i mean by it. it's just like uh, unfortunate timing guys like it's just it's you're, you're right between the kings here. yeah it's rough um It'll be interesting to see maybe if they delay this to try to get out away from Callisto Protocol and the Dead Space remake. Or get out, I mean, if you can get it out first. That's not happening. But it doesn't seem like that's possible. Because Callisto comes out in December. Well, and Dead Space remake was supposed to come out this year, and it did, it's not going to make it. But my guess is Q1 of next year. So maybe you hold this till the end of the year next year you got a shot. If you can afford to do that. Yeah. If you can take it Smaller out. Smaller studios, though, that's tough to do, so... Uh, we'll see how it goes. It like doesn't, if you could yeah, hold it doesn't this, look bad. Yeah, if you could hold this to like Oct- like Halloween time next year, yeah, that would be. You might might have idea. something then, because again, it doesn't look bad. It just looks derivative, and like mm-hmm. two other games that are probably going to be better games. Derivative through no fault of its own, right? Really, yeah. Uh, but anyway, and I'll remind you again because you're going to need to be reminded. The other thing that's maybe is Fort Solace. Yeah, the other thing maybe is to uh, do some, you know, as, as time goes on, do something to really emphasize why it's different from those games. Because yeah. I'm sure there's something in there that makes it. Unique. The branching story, branching storyline, and yeah, it's a different. You know, uh, it's it's not an industrial facility you're in. It's like you know, it looks like a, a living space. You know, like a couple a couple places that look like the Citadel from Mass Effect. You a little know, bit, like, yeah, uh, with the trees planted in the middle of the little round circle. You know, so I think like if you can make make the case that like, oh, it's not like you know, blue collar, blue collar guy kind of like wending his way through factory zones or a prison or whatever. It still looked a little bit like that, somewhat, but <laughs> yeah. like. There's lots you know, of steel and there's you gotta you gotta lean into what the difference is. Yeah. Um and uh You're now, right. that's now, a that, smart they, way now that they know that, that competition is out there, that's probably the, the angle they need to go for. Yep, I agree with that. Uh next up, something we're not gonna show footage of because they probably would give us a copyright strike. The rock appeared mm. in <laughs> Jeff's live stream. It heard, has to I heard be you of... like sponsored content. <laughs> so we put sponsored content in your sponsored content so you can sponsor content while you sponsor content. It literally goes that deep. It does. It's like a commercial inside a commercial for a commercial inside of a big commercial. And if all those commercials make you thirsty, <laughs> there's a new energy drink. Energy drink. But I, it's oh my god! It literally was it's a commercial hilarious. for his energy drink inside a commercial for the movie. Yep. Inside a commercial for the video game industry. Yep. <laughs> it's three layers, and it, it was terrible. He was Inception. terrible. He was terrible. How, what happened to The Rock? He used to be able to go into the ring and just riff and sound brilliant. And here he is in his home gym, in his house, where he should be comfortable and in his zone. And he's stumbling over his words. He doesn't know what to talk about. It's just like this weird commercial. It wouldn't surprise me if it was like just an impromptu thing. Like he's got his, he's filming himself with his own phone. He didn't even around. have like his assistant film him. He's like holding it and like trying to hold the drink. What the hell was going on there? I mean, the the kids today call that authenticity. I know, I know. <laughs> it's him being his, his true self or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's like that was so out of place. Like it was just so blatantly paid. It's very weird. It was weird. And I love the whole like where like they tried to make it like, oh, here's the rock. Hey, rock, what's up? And yeah. like he's like, hey, Jeff, how you doing? It's like, oh yeah, you're totally alive right now. Absolutely, this is a conversation we're having. And it had nothing to do with video games. But it's the same audience. Other than why. him saying like, hey, drink my energy drink to keep. Well, here's this movie that you're probably interested in if you like video games. Yeah, that's about it. That's and like, it. 
And now, you know, it's uh, fine. It's a crossover. It's a crossover demographic. I'm sure Jeff got paid to. Well, that know, had Jeff's dad hooked it up, written oh, all yeah. over oh, it for sure. Because like, those of you who don't know, Jeff's dad created IMAX. He was one of two or yeah, three one people. of the. He was one of the original creators of IMAX. Yeah. And so he's obviously deeply embedded. And remember, Summer Games Fest. If you're wondering how Jeff has all these connections to make these things. And had money from yeah. the get-go. That's where it came from. And also, don't forget, Summer Games Fest was, like, live inside IMAX theaters. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see what the attendance was like at one of those things. I'd like to see what the deal, the contract for that looked like. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of the same last name on it. Probably. Um yeah. That, I mean, that, that's just the nature of, of business. That's you know, it like goes, yeah. how it works. Uh, mm-hmm. I found out a while ago that uh, two of the two of the uh, the people who the, the people who founded Skydance Pictures and Annapurna uh, went to my high school. Oh. a few years behind me, and my I'm like, wow, what? That, I'm like, how did you pull that off? That's impressive. And then I found out that their dad was the third most successful, like third richest producer in Hollywood. <laughs> I was like, oh, you just got a lot of money from your dad. And, yeah, and, funny how that works. And made this thing that you know, I mean, can't argue with how Skydance and Annapurna make. Yeah. I mean. The, it, was a, it was a brother and sister, and the sister's been nominated for, like, six Best Picture Oscars because of her choices to, of which things to produce. So you can't you can't say they didn't make good use of the, the money. Yeah. Um, the thing about people yeah. with money is that people who don't have money, you have your one shot Yeah. to do it. Yeah. And if it fails, you're right That's back it. to just going and working a nine-to-five. Rich people... They can keep Try again trying and again and again. over and over and over. And they to can rich, keep failing. To rich people, over. it's like buying a pack of trading cards. Right. It's like, oh, didn't get the oh, one I wanted. Oh, this pack. Throw it away. <laughs> get the next pack. You want these cards? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag capitalism. That's how it works. Um, so anyway, The Rock just seemed real out of place, really bad, and blatantly paid. I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. But, I hey, mean, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Like, Rock's got to eat. Yeah. Man eats a lot of pancakes. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> he does. He eats a lot, period. I mean, he eats, what, like 8,000 calories a day or something, something like that? Insane? I mean, he's huge. you, you got to feed that muscle. It's insane. His uh, cheat day videos are some of my favorite ones he yeah, does. They're pretty amazing. We can only dream. Uh, he literally eats, like, what I eat in a month yeah. in a day on his yeah. cheat days. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, I was disappointed in that. I had a lot of respect for The Rock. He's just showman. He's really good at that, typically, but he just yeah, did not deliver. Uh, I've, I've said many times, like, uh, when I saw, I saw, I went to WWF Raw in, uh, in San Jose in 2001, and when he was, you know, it was him and Stone Cold, it was the Raw era, basically, mm-hmm. and uh, when he came out, that is the loudest I have ever heard an audience <laughs> get in my entire life, and I've been to a lot of concerts, been a lot of places, been a lot of things. Yeah. I have never heard and when he came out, you heard, you know, you heard the beginning of the theme and the you couldn't hear the speak this you couldn't hear the speakers in the San Jose arena over the crowd. And like he just and then he just goes goes finally and like again. Like it was he said four sentences and it took almost twenty minutes. Like I've never seen anything like most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Yes he was. He was, yeah. Yes he was. And you gotta remember, Matt and I were there. When they debuted The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Yeah. That was also pretty loud. There were people crying on the floor when they did that. I've never seen anything like that either. Barry Lamax, if you smell a la 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 put the rock. He was amazing. And he, anyway. It I, doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> he's great. He was great. He was great. Yep. The best wrestler ever, I believe. Um, and then next... They showed, I'm going to show you a B-roll of this because it's the most derivative thing I've ever seen in my life. A new RTS from ex-Blizzard employees called Stormgate. Literally the most generic looking mm-hmm. RTS I've ever seen in my life. Just totally being like, you know what? 
just saying that we used to work at Blizzard on StarCraft, that's good enough. That seems to be the, sure. the, the angle that they're taking with that. Um, and then the game I was hinting at earlier that we thought was an XCOM clone, but as it turns out, it's actually something a little different, is Marvel's Midnight Suns. Mm-hmm. Are you more excited for this now, Matt, that we've, we're learning it's a little bit more of an RPG and less turn-based strategy? Uh, it's more interesting, yeah, although I read uh, some of the interviews with the guys, and it certainly was what we thought it was originally. Mm-hmm. Um, they made basically XCOM with superheroes, and then they're like, this sucks. Oh, really? Like they were like Because they were like, you know, you're, if you have, you know, the classic XCOM thing, well, you can't um, have permadeath, obviously. No, but also the, the classic XCOM thing with, like, you know, oh, you got 90% chance to hit, oh, you miss. Like, they're, like, missing, you know, Iron Man's got a high percentage to hit, but he misses. Like, this sucks. Like, this doesn't feel good. Like, you don't feel like you're a superhero. You know, like, you need something that's going to be, you know, the, the XCOM formula was not working with this theme, with this with this superhero thing. So they changed it to more of a deck-building, card-based thing. So you have different abilities on deck in your hand every so you can't always depend on being able to do like a repulsor blast or a unibeam or whatever but you have a pretty good idea of what you will be able to do and then you have to kind of work with what and look i am much more of a tactical person than a strategy you know strategic is large scale tactical is in the moment tactical is what you have to work with on the battlefield basically i'm more tactical like um Tactical people win battles. Strategic people win wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am a tactical person. I can win the battle, but I don't. You want me to think past that? I'm <laughs> gonna have a, I'm gonna have a problem because like it's it's hard. I'm not. He's also why I'm not a good chess player. Is I don't think that many moves ahead. Uh-huh. Um, it's also why I'm very bad at the game Spirit Island. Um, if anyone knows what that is, but um, uh, this is more my speed because like, XCOM is something I can do, but it's it's hard. Like it's because there's a lot of times when I, you know I, I save scum it a lot. I'm mm-hmm. just like oh right, then that's gonna happen because you can move here and then I say okay, I got back up and do that mm-hmm. again. Um, takes me forever to get through an XCOM game because I'm continually doing that. I sit, um, I do that in turn-based strategy games all the time. I will sit there mm-hmm. for way too long pondering. And this, <laughs> like this style, is much more my speed. And it also, I think they're right when they talked in the interview about how like, this gets the superhero thing across better. You feel more powerful. You feel like you have a, a set of things to deal with, but there's still tr- strategic decisions because you don't have access to your entire power set every turn. Yep. Any big surprises in this trailer as far as characters? Uh, No. No? Like, I know they tried to set it up as something. I mean, basically, they're showing the villains we're going to be dealing with, which is yeah. like Venom and Scarlet Witch. And you know, it's all pretty expected, I would say. I mean, they look cool. Like, I like the weird... Um, you know, demon, demonized versions of the characters that mm-hmm. they're doing here. It's really dark. Fun. Um, and I, I'm all about that. Yeah, so it's cool. I'm into it. I like the, Mar- you know, that's kind of, the, I like the Midnight Suns, Marvel Knights thing. I think, I always thought the, that angle was, was a fun thing to do with the characters. Um, it's interesting, some of the, you know, there's characters in this that are normally not part of that, like Iron Man and Captain America and stuff mm-hmm. like that. This is more of a Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider Sometimes Spider-Man, Daredevil, yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it looks cool. And now, you know, the, the card-based system is way more interesting to me. So that's which that's uh, Spider-Man is this in this trailer? It's Peter Parker. But what's the costume is he wearing there? He's wearing the Marvel Midnight Suns video game costume. Uh, These are all new costumes. So wait, all this costume is made just for the game. Yeah, all the stuff they're wearing here is all for the game. Ah. Okay, because I was like, I've never seen that Spidey suit before. No, these are all at least slightly tweaked in most cases, uh, versions of their normal costumes. Like those are all new costumes, as far as I'm. That's aware. a pretty sweet Spidey costume. I mean, that is there's there's like a knight element to it. There you can see, you know, mm-hmm. there's some kind of chainmail things. So there's yep. a little bit of the old uh, the, the web armor yeah. from Web of Spider Man, whatever the hell number that was. Uh, but like, yeah, uh, these are all new, as far as I'm I can tell. 
I think the game looks great. It's Venom. I'm pretty excited for it. There's still not a lot of gameplay out of this, though. They're no. really kind of keeping it under wraps. Hulk. I, mean, I mean, some previews came out for it, like, after this trailer was dropped. But still not a lot of gameplay footage out there where you can really see what it plays like. So This was very weird, this bit at the end here. Because um, what that is is a reference to the, you know, he's ringing the bell. Mm-hmm. What that is is a reference to the fact that sound used to damage Venom. Oh, that's and right. And originally he used the, the church bells to get the suit off him. Mm-hmm. And that was how he, like, beat Venom the first time was he, was he, he rang the bells and the, the sound dissipated the symbiote and he was able to beat Eddie. Um after he ran Eddie's, like, webs down to nothing. Um, and then well, he rings him, he's like, oh, that's funny, that used to work. And, like, that's a very weird cut to yeah. use for, for... I mean, I get it, but it's also, like, weirdly edited. I don't know. That was, I thought that was odd. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'm, in, I'm interested. I hope it, I I hope it makes it this year still. It seems it's like supposed it's, to still. Yeah, it's in October, so... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely curious. Like, you know, it could... It's got a window there where it could do real well. It could. You know, you got, if it's you a good game, it could sell through game, the game, or it's you know it's got you got the right license. Yeah. Uh, it looks cool. You know, it definitely looks cool. Yeah, like like that. Like you said, that is a cool Spider-Man suit. Yeah, like you can't deny that. That's but, what I took away from that trailer the first time I watched it. I was like, yeah. ooh, like I haven't seen Spider-Man looking like that before. So um, again, it has an opportunity with so many games being delayed out of the year. It has a wide open window there for to gather as many sales as it possibly can. So. It's actually working out well for some games. It's going to work out well for Saints Row. Saints Row is going to sell way more than it would have before. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are going to be checking it out. Shiniki says costumes to sell toys. Uh, Marvel doesn't really do the toy thing very well anymore. Hmm. Like it's it's. I mean, you usually get like a wave of figures for like each movie, but like it's shocking how slow they are to cash in on merchandising opportunities with the Marvel stuff these days. Like. Hmm takes forever like i would be surprised if we ever saw figures for that maybe I really mean, yeah i th- actually i think like hot toys would be more likely to make high-end 12 inch figures of that because like, they have done um they did like 12 inch figures for the spider-man re- spider-man and miles morales ps, PS- playstation games mm-hmm. um so they do video game stuff they did uh they did miles with the, with the spider cat in the backpack in fact That's so cool. i guess they might do that that they could do a couple of those, like but expensive would, ones. Yeah, like you're talking like two, three hundred dollar right. figures. Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff on the show, like that's uncommon for, for like finding stuff at Walmart and Target. Yeah, and stuff I think like you know, they might be changing, but it's 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 weird. It's very weird. Well, I will definitely figure that out because you would <laughs> think that they like that would be the whole point. Yeah, right. Like all my nephews, their favorites, their favorite character is Spider Man. So mm-hmm. guaranteed, I will find out over the holiday season whether they actually made toys with that costume or not, because I will go looking for I it. I mean, that's so. the thing is, I think if they do make toys, it'll be six months later. Yeah. It's weird how long it takes sometimes. It's it's just because, like, it feels like you should be able to go in any store and just grab things that are better. And, like, generally you can't. Like, yeah. Also, with the Marvel Legends, is sort of their main six-inch figure line. And, like, they don't ship enough to keep it on shelves. Like, you can go in right now. You go right now, and, like, you won't find any Doctor Strange stuff on the shelves because they're all gone. Really? The, the 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 Hasbro doesn't ship enough stuff, which is odd because that movie felt like it just came and went without a, with barely a whimper. I mean, it did fine. Yeah, it, no, hardly, but it didn't like pop through the pop culture lexicon. I didn't see a lot of people talking about it on social media and yeah, things was, like that. There was a lot of it, but it's you know it was, it's in theaters for six weeks and that's the end of it. It was no Spider Man, No Way Home. I mean, yeah. No Way Home was a phenomenon. Yeah, in a way really that very well. few. Things well, it was like the let's go back to the yeah. theater. Also, and, people were too busy. Um, Two people are too busy memeing Morbius <laughs> and then tricking Sony. In a, Sony is so dumb. Sony, it's just like that. 
the memes tricking Sony into putting Morbius back into a thousand theaters and having it bomb a second time might be one of the greatest like boomers don't understand the internet yeah, moments in the history of Not all engagement is good engagement. Just un- and now everyone's like, do it again. We were we were all busy that weekend. Do it again. It's so dumb. Manipulating corporations. That's hilarious. Did you hear about the Joker sequel? No. Uh, joke. So they were you know revealed it's been been greenlit the, uh, like a week ago. So the Joker sequel is a musical. And they were look, trying to get Lady Gaga to be Harley Quinn. Oh, I did see that today. I actually did see a, something on Twitter, yeah. I think, about it today. Yeah. Welcome to Ha Ha Land. Which, um, I mean, I think she'll make a great Harley Quinn. But, she's a good pick. But, the, but I don't want a musical. <laughs> I do want I, I, a musical Joker movie starring Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn is an idea I would be interested in if it was a different creative team. Because Todd Howard is a hack with nothing to say. Oh. Uh, Okay. He's just going to steal Martin Scorsese's New York, New York and call that a movie. That's I hate what this musicals, is going to be. So, no matter what they do with it, I will not watch it. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving I on. I think they should have just not told anyone that's what it was until it released and everyone goes in. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> All like the weirdo bros who love the first one. It's right. like, wait, why are they singing? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> be, that, that would be, be funny. Yeah. That might be worth it, actually. Um, okay. Next up. Cuphead. It feels like we've been waiting for the DLC for Cuphead our entire lives. But it is finally coming out here at the end of the month, and Jeff managed to get some exclusive gameplay um, from a boss fight. Is it wrong for me to have an unhealthy fascination with the girl from Cuphead that always reps Cuphead? Like I Who? <laughs> I don't remember what her name is, but she's always a girl that like does interviews for Cuphead and Mm. And she's just. I thought she, you meant the her the girl. No, huh. no, not the character in the game. Like a real person. No, I, I, I don't remember who. I mean, I guess I would probably recognize her if I saw her. No, I don't. Well, she's whip smart, really nice and beautiful, and loves video games. I, I would guess she would probably be the dream girl for most of, uh, most of the people that I know. Um, and this shows obviously. Is she playing right now? Because that may be so. <laughs> I'm sure she's really good at it. But she's actually one of the artists of the game Mm. like she actually does like the drawing in the animation for the game so she's very good at what she does right she's like i said she's whip smart and really talented and beautiful and loves video games so anytime she's on stage i'm like oh (laughs) good to see you again this looks awesome i mean it's cuphead it's really looking like this is going to be almost like a whole extra game oh yeah i can't wait to completely fail at it and (laughs) and stop playing it after an hour (laughs) Did you not make it through Cuphead? I got through most of Cuphead, but there was a point at which. And this look, all looks way harder. It does. This like, boss this fight is, looks impossible. Yeah, this is like expert <laughs> mode for sure. It looks impossible. Like, yeah. I, I think do I, love, the, I love the art. I think, you know, the, yeah. the old time animation stuff and kind of like the way they've like kept the the look and the and the feel and tone by like but also like excised the racism. Yeah. Like it's yeah. a really good reinvention <laughs> of that era of it animation. Is. I. I I made it like halfway through Cuphead before I had to call it quits. It just got to the point where I, I... And the funny part I would say about Cuphead is that I did enjoy it the whole time I was playing it. Like, even when I was getting my butt whooped, like, it was still enjoyable to play. But it just got to a point where I was like, I just don't have the time for this anymore. Like, like I played enough. I can talk about it on Game Phase. Yeah. I can keep banging my head against the wall trying to make it past this level. Or I can move on and play something else. And I And there's parts where it's like... You know, when you it's up time for a new boss, you're just like, God, do I want to do that to myself right, right. now? Like, there's a level of concentration you need that is just like, you got to be ready. I mean, look at this; it's yeah. insane. Like, it's just you're memorizing basically patterns. Yeah, it's very and, old school. Yeah, but the art, everything about it's incredible. 
And once you do get into the zone, this game feels real good. Yeah, I'd rather just watch someone who's really me good too. at it play. Yeah, me too. <laughs> For me, it's the perfect Let's Play game. But uh, I will give this a spin, and we'll be talking about this before the end of the month here on Game Face, because it is coming soon. Next up, a game that caught our attention... Was it at the Game Awards last year? Nightingale? Yeah, I think it was the Game Awards, yeah. The trailer that we saw for that at the Game Awards was very mysterious, and it looks... Honestly, the game looked nothing like what it really does. This is the gameplay trailer for Nightingale. And I remember we watched that trailer initially. We were like, what the hell kind of game is it? This game, this trailer it makes it obvious game. what they it is. They said it was a survival game. We were kind of disappointed. Yeah, we're like, how could it be? It looks doesn't look like a survival game. Well, here you are. Well, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> Chopping I'm, down trees. I believed them. I, was just, I just thought it was a, is a shame that they used this, you know, this art style and design on a survival game. Yeah, just, it's very out of the ordinary. And they have provided now, finally, a pretty good synopsis of what the game is about. Um, it's a first-person PvE open-world survival crafting game played solo or cooperatively with friends. Build, craft, fight, and explore as you venture through mystical portals into a variety of amazing and fantastical realms. You are stranded beyond your world, cut off by the collapse of the arcane portal network. Sounds like your internet's down. Uh, the catastrophe has left you fi fighting to survive in a labyrinth of beautiful and dangerous fey realms. Your goal is to become a skilled realm walker and navigate the web, I guess it is like the internet, of trans-dimensional portals. Only then can you discover your way to the magical city of Nightingale, the last known bastion of humanity. I think mm. it sounds very interesting, but it's a survival game, and I hate survival games. As soon as I saw them chopping down the trees, I was like, no, I don't want to chop down trees. <laughs> that was kind of like the deal breaker for me. Mm -hmm. um, are you more or less interested in this now that we've gotten like a really good look at what it uh, actually is? Not particularly is? interested. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, maybe. like The fact that it's more PvE like helps, but mm -hmm. like if I played this, it would purely be because I think it looks cool like artistically to the point that I, I want to try and like it. But I don't know. Like, very rarely do these, these survival games have anything of interest to, to me once I sort of like get past the initial stages. Well, once I set up my homestead, then, it yeah, turns into the grind. Yeah, they start expecting me to like, oh, you spend an hour building a barn. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, that's not going to happen. That happens to me too with these games. I've never really been a big survival guy. I've tried them all too. I've tried so many of them. Um, and a big problem I think with a lot of these games is the onboarding is terrible. Like Ark, Survival Evolved. And I know that they've changed mm -hmm. it over time, but the onboarding for that game was ridiculous. And yeah. a lot of them are that way. Like, how long I end up sticking with these games depends on how the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes of them go, typically. Yeah, like, Valheim was maybe the closest I yeah. got. Yeah. And even that didn't last tremendously long. Me either. And that got awkward for me, too, because the building was kind of janky, and, like, I couldn't really... Like, I'd try to build stuff that I wanted to build, and it would end up, like, lopsided. I'd be like, you know what? That's good enough. And I'd end up dealing with this, like, lopsided cabin for the first, like, five hours I played the game. They're just not... For me, I totally appreciate that these are games that typically have a lot of longevity. And for people who like to construct stuff and build their own worlds, like with Minecraft and things like that, there's definitely an allure for them. Um, but I prefer stuff like this to be an extra element, kind of like how it was in Fallout 4. Like, you don't necessarily have to, like, do it all that much if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Games where it's the crux of what you do, that's where it turns me off, typically. Yeah. It's not, it's not interesting to me. Yep. It's more interesting when you do like that's one of the things that keeps me keeps me calm on that with Starfield is like at least the building in Starfield it looks like you can do more of a top down visual look you know top down yeah 
perspective when you're doing that. For me, it's really the building from a first-person perspective I find really irritating. Me too, because I'm not like a Minecraft guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, all the kids are great at that. Like, not me. Like, I'm not... And it's I, one thing to do, like, the Fortnite thing where you're sort of building stuff and building... While you're playing. But, like, with, like, something like this, I'm trying to make it look nice. I'm trying to... And, like, so much, so often they don't give you the tools to really do that. Or you can't make it... Like, I just want it to be square. Right. Like... Square angles, so things aren't, like, kicked on an angle and your roof isn't, like, half sliding off. Like, a lot of these games just don't make it easy enough. Yeah, just give me something like The Sims. <laughs> yeah. Like, just yeah. let me build it that let way. We just snap it together. I'm cool. Like, at least give me the option. I know other people may not want that, but at least provide the option for people like me. And yeah, let like me pull back and sort stuff. of see the bigger picture yeah. and, and sort of put things in that way would be way more preferable. Agreed. Make it more like an RTS, basically, yeah. is what I'm looking at. Yep. Agreed. Uh, next up, Saints Row. They had a trailer... For the character creation tool, which is live now. So you can go and create your character now for the new Saints Row reboot. Um, More games should do that. Yeah. Why not? Especially especially if you have a character creator that robust. Yeah. Like imagine if Starfield had released his character creation tool. Or even if it just said, look, we know Maybe that's what we'll get on 11.11. That's what I was was hinting at. Imagine if they said, like, we know we missed 11.11, but... As a make good, mm-hmm. you'll be able to start building your character and maybe even let you build a ship or something on 11.11. Knowing Bethesda, like, they'd accidentally include the whole game right. and people would hack it out <laughs> in, like, an hour. People would data mine it <laughs> and just have the whole freaking thing. Like, yeah. you're right. That's, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Uh, but anyway, you can go do that now if you want to. You can create your character for Saints Row. Uh, next was... And there are people who spend hours and hours making their characters in some of yeah. those games. Which is like, so it's like, cool, like you can get that out of the way and be ready to play when the game comes yeah, out. As soon as it starts. Like Why it's, not? It's, all, it's, it's polite, it is. really, yeah. to, to do that for yeah, the it's players. It's respecting the players' yeah, time, man. It is. <laughs> uh, next up, a game that I was actually disappointed in, uh, Layers of Fears. The new game from Bloober Team, we are all hoping... That we would see a new Silent Hill being created by Bloober Team, and instead, not only do we not get a new game from Bloober Team, we get a, a mashup of the first two layers of fear in a single game. Now, albeit it's being built in Unreal Engine 5, and it looks amazing graphically, and the first two layers of fear were pretty good, so... Yeah. I can kind of understand why they're doing it, it was just disappointing to me because I wanted something new. Um, well, they're supposedly working on Silent Hill, so they got to fill the time with something you know they can't oh, no no time to make a whole new game yeah i mean i may, maybe you're right maybe that's what maybe because they're working on silent hill they don't have time to create a brand new game from scratch I also don't know. i do think the i think the the the, la- the first few layers of fear games do deserve presentation on this level like I, they I, do. I thought the first one was good but it was a little held back that was by the, the tech. problem yeah. yeah for sure and like you make that look like this i think that's great yeah um, and it will be obviously become the definitive edition of both of these games. And so there's value in doing that. And I feel like a lot of people haven't even played the Layers of Fear game because they've they've been indie games, kind of underground mm-hmm. indie horror games. Although they've always been, they're always there in almost every sale. So I'm sure yeah. people try they, them out. Have they been entry. included in like free, like for Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus games yet? I don't remember. I know. I think they've been in Humble Bundles. Yeah. But I can't remember if they were any of that. But I feel like a lot of people still haven't been exposed to these games. So it might do pretty well for Bloober Team. It looks gorgeous, that's for sure. Graphically, it looks amazing. I just would have rather seen the new Silent Hill that it's reportedly, allegedly, leakedly. Is that a new word? Leakedly? Mm -hmm. Working on. Um, But yeah, that was a little disappointing. That's a good way to get familiar with the, the Unreal Engine 5. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that's part of it. Is it's like, okay, let's learn how to work on this engine so when we really start going hardcore on silent hill we know what we're we're getting ourselves into so um that's layers of fears um 
And then, Matt, your favorite game and your most anticipated game for 2022, Gotham Knights. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, this game... So you had mentioned, I think two weeks ago on Game Face, that the last gameplay demo really disgusted you. Mm-hmm. And I had only, like, scrubbed through it. I hadn't watched the whole thing. So after you said that, I went back and I watched it from the beginning and tried to watch it the whole way through... And holy cow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The combat in this game looks so terrible. I don't, I can't, I don't understand what happened. Dude, Nightwing looks so terrible. His combat is just so disconnected and like mm-hmm. slow. Like there's, there's, there's like no flow to there's it. There's no it sense of like, like momentum. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like we got this stuff motion captured and that's good enough. Yeah, like, like that's what it feels like. Which is so weird from, like, like your base... Like you've, you've got the Arkham games to work from. Like, I, you can tell us what they're trying to do. Yeah, they're trying to they're make... But they're not succeeding. Oh, it's so blatantly not the Batman Arkham games. It is... Oh, man. Like, I... What do you think? Do you think this game's gonna sell? Probably. I mean, it's Batman. But, like... It, is it, though? It, it's not, I mean, that's its whole hook, is it doesn't have Batman. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll do fine. Uh, but, like, yeah, you're gonna run into a problem of... You know, no Batman is a problem. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things that are not really recognized. I mean, I think that having Batgirl is going to help, but at the same time, like their their take on the Red Hood is very weird. Like where he's teleporting around and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay, like that's odd, but all right. Um, I don't think it looks very good. Like art art design art design wise, yeah, it looks okay. Uh, I don't I don't like the designs of the characters really. Um, Nightwing in particular is too thick. Like like Dick Grayson is not T-H-I-C-C. that T H I C C yeah Dick, Dick Grayson is not that big <laughs> Dick Grayson has a dynamite ass but he does not have bulk like that he doesn't yeah. look like that's Batman he's Batman sized in this and he should be Dick Grayson sized yeah um and it just doesn't have a lot of like I don't know they might they might just be hiding it so far or they haven't shown it yet but like I feel like it doesn't capture kind of the Bat Family vibe like if you're gonna take Batman out of it and put these characters in as sort of your like. You better be really leaning into the idea that these are these are people who grew up together, that they're kind of a, a, a surrogate family for one another, um, and I just don't see any of that in this. Right now, this game is tracking to be my most disappointing game of 2022. I hope I'm wrong. I'm keeping an open mind with it, but man. It, I don't know it, if I can be disappointed by this game because I am out of expectations Your expectations are low now. Like it's, yeah. I, they were always kind of low, but like... Man, like I just I don't understand how we wait all these years and for for more Batman stuff and we get this and Suicide Squad instead. Wampler like just, says looks very 2018. That's yeah, a great way to describe that it. Does. Yeah. Like if this had come out like yeah 2018, 2017, like a couple well, a few years after Gotham Knight or Arkham Knight, sure. Yeah. And that would my even, guess is it probably was in development yeah, around that. That would time even too. fit because it got Arkham Knight to Gotham Knights. Yeah. Like that's you know, you, okay. Yeah. I, I said when Arkham Knight ended, I'm like, okay, you just changed the name to Gotham now. Right. Instead of Arkham. And they did. And but... they did, but oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I I have set my expectations to disappoint for this yeah. game. But we'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong. Um, and then the big finisher was The Last of Us remake. And now they're calling it The Last of Us Part 1. Right. To, to designate it as the remake. Um, which... And we had a discussion about this off camera, but I still really struggle to understand why this is needed. Um, they re they did a quote unquote remaster of it, which what they didn't do a ton of work on the remaster. This yeah, is... that was re, the remaster was very much just better textures yeah. and turned the settings up a little bit. Yeah, um, um, which was good. I mean, it was definitely an improvement. Yeah, um, I would argue that this is needed because it brings it in line with the gameplay and AI of two. 
and that's such a huge improvement that it is and, and having gone back and played the first one again after I finished two, oh, the difference between those two games is it's huge. Yeah. Like the first game's combat is not very good. It's not. And yeah, you know, as, as Druckmann said, they they are redoing. They redid the AI and the combat in, in this up from the ground. Like they, it's completely new. They've completely revamped all of that. Um, it is you know they've they've built it from the ground up visually and gameplay wise. They went back to the original mocap files and use completely new rigs in the new engine to like recapture redo the the performances so that you know the, the facial expressions are, are more accurate to what mm-hmm. the actors actually did in the original performances like um yeah i'm not saying they didn't do any a lot of it's, re- it. it's, it's remarkable like it's, it's uh you know it brings it in line with with two which is still one of the best looking games on playstation mm-hmm. so uh the fact that it makes those two games sort of an, uh, a more functional pairing together i think that's good I don't know if it should be seventy bucks. Yeah, but uh, you know, because it's you know, I know it's a remake. That's what they worked hard on it. But like, I don't know. Like, it feels like it feels like it's the, a cash grab. It's a little bit because right now PlayStation it's work. doesn't have a whole lot. And oh, also this was to keep a lot of people at Naughty Dog employed. Yeah, between projects, right? So you yeah, know, and look, if we end up with a better version of this game, great. Yeah, I don't have a problem with any of that. I would it, just, it, obviously, it, I'd rather Naughty Dog work on a new game. But. Well, they couldn't. It was, yeah. this, it was this or fire those people. Like yeah. there, there is no new game that doesn't exist because this was made. Yeah, like, that's not a thing. So this is probably the best possible example of when to when to slot a remake in. And um, Neil Druckmann, who was on stage, it's great to show up for a gaming event. He doesn't do that very often. Uh, also talked about the standalone multi. The other thing too is that all this stuff had leaked lo- a long time ago. Not only that, this actual trailer that we're seeing right now leaked the morning yeah. of the event. He did complain on stage did. a little bit, which I get it. And I it's get frustrating. it too. But all this stuff had leaked way before that. Like, I don't know if Neil is just like out of touch with like the the mm-hmm. leak scene or whatever, but like we knew about all this stuff. So we knew about this. We knew about this remake. We also knew about the standalone multiplayer, The Last of Us, which he announced on stage mm-hmm. has turned into like this thing. It's going to be like a huge game. It's going to have a story. He says it's as big as any single player game Naughty Dog has ever made. Okay. I'm like, okay. Um, it said there's a whole new cast of characters that are, haven't been in either the other two games. Mm-hmm. It's set in the U.S., I believe in New York City, based upon the screenshot that they released. Um, they said that we'll see that for the first time in 2023. That's the game I would be more irritated about. You could have been making some. Oh, else. right. Because <laughs> you hate multiplayer games. Um, and then he talked about the uh, the Last of Us HBO show, which sounds like it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. Um, well, he got to direct an episode. He did, yeah, which is cool. Um, which you know, I yeah. think he's he's like a he's like the U.S. version of Kojima. Like, I really feel like he has aspirations to do much more than just yeah. Make I, video I, if, games. if that were to to blossom for him, I can see him leaving video games yep, behind altogether easily. Yep. Um, uh, also, I did like that they said, you know, Troy and uh, and Ashley got roles in the show. Yeah. Like, not as Ellie and Joel, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, like, they apparently have prominent speaking roles in at least one episode, which yeah. is cool. Like, that was apparently one of Naughty Dog's demands. Yeah. It was like, you got to treat these these two right because they got us here in the first place. So, yeah. that, I like that. I like that respect. I like Naughty Dog. I like the way they do business. I like the way they run their ship. I wish they were a little crunch lighter. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I wish they didn't crunch as much, and I wish that they had more employees so they could make games faster. But... Otherwise, they're one of my favorite. I don't know how much faster you can make games of that detail and quality yeah. level, really. Yeah. Like I think I think there's there's a limit to how much you can just throw people at something. Because I think that you, there's only so many people who are talented right. enough to there's do there's it. There's a level so of person. So you could have five that. people sitting there, 
if they can't do the job. Yeah, if only one person's good enough to make Naughty Dog quality, right. that one person's still going over everybody else's work, and it's yeah. not going to go any faster. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he finished the show with the flourish with all the Naughty Dog stuff, probably appropriately so, even though, again, all that stuff had already leaked out. Matt, what letter grade would you give Jeff's Summer Game Fest? Uh, and I have trained myself now to say Summer Game Fest instead of Summer Games good. Fest. Yeah. I finally got over the hump. I I don't know. I'm probably in like a C minus range. Yeah, he could. It feels like, especially after watching the Xbox and Bethesda press showcase, it feels like he could have got a lot more. I don't think that third true. party stuff because I think, I think they, Xbox no, had none really. Well, because I think a lot of stuff wasn't ready to be shown. You know, I don't think you could go to Ubisoft and say, "Hey, you want to show some stuff?" And I think because they weren't working on anything. Yeah, but I mean, he could have got like new trailers or maybe even a little bit of gameplay those tra- from like but, Suicide Squad or something. But like, those trailers take months to make. Yeah, like, you know, but all these games that were supposed to come out now or in the next few months, like they're very close to being finished. Like I feel like they could have squeezed something out of some of those. But if they could have, Jeff would have. Hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm confident enough in Jeff Keeley to know that if that was was possible, he would have made. You're it probably happen. right. You're probably right. Um, so you, I'm what, sure what was your because like a C minus. I'm sure that in in you know in terms of like stuff like that, I'm sure that as soon as the ESA said we're not doing E3, a lot of those companies were like, well, then we're not going to spend our time and resources and people on building any demos for E3. So yeah. like, there's nothing. They don't. They literally have nothing to give Jeff at this point. Now they've shifted to whatever add. their marketing plans are for the fall. Yeah. So I showed you that sheet with all the stuff that was actually in it. We cut a lot out that we did not discuss, but all of it was indie stuff. And that is, we're going to get to the indie stuff from Summer Game Fest slash E3 here in a little bit. Uh, We're going to share some of our favorite indie games that we've seen over the last week, week and a half. Um, But one overarching theme to me in this entire week and a half has just been, it's just been a deluge of indie stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And not the best indie stuff. And I'll, I'll discuss that a little bit more when we talk it, about it. It seems like games. it was much more just what was available. Yeah. Um, like, more than half of Jeff's show was indie. About half of the Xbox Bethesda thing was indie. Um, it's just I think the that's just what it's going to be. I mean, there's fewer AAA games now. Yeah, it's just so, the environment yeah. that we're in. Um, and and again, a lot of those AAA games got pushed or are still in long-term development. You know, Microsoft has tons of AAA stuff in the pipeline, but just tons of it's not ready. Yeah. like I would argue you curate that stuff a little better and show like the really cool indie stuff because... Somewhat. I think you're just, just stuck with... It's just getting lost. There's, there are good indie games. Yeah, I are, think you're just stuck with something like Microsoft. I think you're stuck with like like we were talking about during the thing. Like there's clearly contracts in place because of the Game Pass deals yeah. that you got to show them. That's an exception them. with the Xbox stuff for sure. Uh, with the I think with game, Jeff, so, he was just like, I need this show to be summer, two hours yeah, because for whatever reason to, you Because want, sponsorship yeah. and commercials and i need to run this stuff for i think you had a in terms of what you're talking about you had a better example of that with the day of the devs which was immediately after summer game fest which was hosted by uh tim schaefer um that felt like a much more curated Mm -hmm. lineup yeah um stuff that you actually want to showcase yeah Mm. i mean also like leave it to tim schaefer and and uh, double fine to to dig out the gems right absolutely because they make the gems so but anyway that's summer games fest you gave it a c minus yeah I'll give it a C plus. Um, after I watched it, I was really disappointed because I would have given it a higher grade after I immediately after I watched it. But now, just when you were asking, like, what did you think? I was like, I, I don't think anything. I can't yeah. remember anything about that, about what happened. Like, it, the problem was it was just too long. And so yeah. after I watched it, it yeah. finished, and I was like, oh my god! I felt like I was just like dragging my ass across the finish line to not stop watching it. Mm-hmm. And now, once I put everything on paper and like you know. Again, half of it was mostly indie stuff and forgettable indie stuff. 
But still, he had a pretty solid lineup, all things considered, for what's going on this mm-hmm. year. So It's, it's kind of like if someone just blasted you with a super soaker and just kept doing it, and yeah. you said to stand there, and then at the end they're like, well, what what was memorable about that? I'm like, I don't know. I guess the, when you started blasting me with the water and when it stopped. <laughs> that's a great analogy. Like, that's about that's about all I got. There. Okay. That's, that's fair enough. Uh, so there you go. That's Summer Game Fest 2022. Um, I'm sure we'll be doing it. Well, we'll see what we're doing next year. Who knows how that's all going to shake out ultimately with Jeff and the ESA and mm-hmm. Summer Games Fest and E3. I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the coming months as things start to take shape and we start to kind of figure out how that's all going to work out, how it's going to play out. Uh, All right, next up, the game that I was just talking up and telling Matt he should have played and also has a very forgettable name, The Quarry. The Quarry is the spiritual successor to Until Dawn. Now, this studio, Supermassive Games, it didn't create until dawn and then wait like six years to create the quarry in between it had the the anthology um that it's been working on Mm -hmm. which has been a series of shorter and i would argue pretty forgettable horror adventure games um and the hook with their games is that that's the the dark dark pictures anthology yeah yep which was originally pitched as silent hill right yeah and i think it's a good thing it wasn't silent hill because they're not they have not been exceptional um and I would argue that Until Dawn is better than the Dark Pictures anthology oh, so yeah. far. Um, and this is a the studio has pegged this as the spiritual successor to Until Dawn. So it is a choose your own horror adventure where, and for whatever reason, both games, Until Dawn and this one, follows a group of teenagers in what most would say is probably a cheap knockoff of a slasher, an 80s slasher flick. And this Does one seem to be their thing. It is their thing. And this one is even more gratuitously so. This one is the cheap knockoff of Friday the 13th. It Mm -hmm. is about a group of teenage camp counselors who are counselors at this rural camp for kids. And the camp is over. It's the end of summer. All the kids are gone. And it's just them, like, packing all their stuff up. Camp Diamond Lagoon. Right. Well, it is (laughs) Camp Quarry. It's a quarry. Camp Quarry. Yeah. It takes place, like, on a quarry. So all these teens are getting ready to leave. One of the guys gets dumped by the girl he's been hooking up with throughout the entire summer. He's bummed, and so he doesn't want it to end. So he goes and steals a part off of the engine of the the van that's supposed to take them all out of there, and and they can't leave. So basically, the the guy who is the camp, the the owner of the camp, who is David Arquette, I would add, mm. and there is a little bit of a scream aesthetic to this like there's it's tongue-in-cheek a little bit there's like some funny moments some levity in it it's not just all dark like horror slasher stuff and he obviously was a part of the scream franchise so he is the owner of the camp and he discovers that the van won't run and he basically just tells them he's like do not stay outside tonight you stay in the lodge i'm gonna go get someone to fix the van i will be back in the morning and so what it ultimately becomes... Literally famous last words. Right. What it ultimately becomes is you and this group of teenagers need to survive the night. That is your goal because he will be back in the morning with the tools to fix the van and you'll be able to get out of there. And of course, instead of listening to him and staying inside, you decide to have one last party. And mm-hmm. you put set up a bonfire and you sit around the bonfire and drink and you completely ignore the warrings that he has given you to stay inside and not go outside for the entire night. Um, so it's a slasher movie. It is. It totally is. And it's set like, it might as well be Camp Crystal Lake, like right. Friday the 13th. Um, 
And so that sets everything in motion. And for the most part, I would say that the story does an amazing job of not really using the horror film tropes of the, like, I'm running from the killer and I stumble and I fall down. Like, all those stupid things that are in a lot of those movies are really not in this. However, the whole thing is kind of set in motion by a contrivance. So in the early part of the game, the opening of the game, the guy who's all bummed out that the girl is dumping him is talking to one of the other females, one of the other female counselors. And he asks her, he says, so if you were to disable a vehicle, how would you go about doing it? And she says, well, you could either, you could cut the fuel line or you could steal this part off the rotor. And then he's in front of her does that. And it's one of the first choices you have to make. Do you choose to cut the fuel line or do you choose to take the part off the rotor? I chose take the part off the rotor because I figured all hell was going to break That's loose. Repairable. And it would be much easier to just put the part back on instead of trying to fix the fuel line. So anyway, he does that. He takes the part for me. I chose that. And then the girl, when the van won't start, never connects the dots. And mm. it's like, I just told this guy how to disable the van and now the van won't run. So it does start off with kind of a corny, like, it, but after that, like, it's brilliant. So don't judge it by that first choice. Right. Get through that. Like, you'll shake your head and be like, oh my God, this is so stupid. Nothing like that happens after that. Keep going. Because in my opinion, this game becomes amazing. Amazing, Matt. This is, as of right now, far and away, my most pleasant surprise of 2022. It's not even close. Hmm. The pacing in this game is incredible. Incredible. I honestly, looking back at the last like 10 years of watching like all the biggest horror movies that have come out that could not keep a plot coherent for 90 minutes. And this game does it for 10 hours. It just goes from one scenario to another that are completely believable, not contrived. It jumps around. You play, I think there's nine total counselors in the game or nine total characters. It constantly jumps around and you play the game from all the different perspectives of all the different counselors, which keeps things different. It keeps you on your toes. It helps you see the plot and the story from a bunch of different angles. So essentially how it plays out is that there's a, a legend about this camp, about this old woman who was like basically drowned in the quarry and she haunts the woods. So it's kind of like Friday the 13th crossed with like Blair Witch. Mm. As far as the plot is concerned, you have the camp setting from Friday the 13th, but you have kind of like the creepy old woman witch out in the woods um, that's supposed to be like the legend that it's all based on. Um, where do I even begin? Um, the one thing I really like about this, other than the pacing, which is absolutely great, is that they dedicate time to every character and not just like... A, the horror elements of the game. They develop each character and they develop all the relationships between all the characters in the game. So it's almost like they did permutations and combinations of all the potential characters. And you end up learning how each character relates to all the other characters in the games, but in the game, by the way that they wrote the script and how they structured the plot of the game. Um, so what, ha what ends up happening is that you end up getting gut punches that land in this game because you you care about every character. You care, you care about the relationships in between all the characters in the game. So when things happen or go bad or go good, it one, it makes sense and is something that you can understand, but two, it actually has an emotional impact. Um, 
So you have a main antagonist, which is clear, and that's all rooted in what I was talking about, the woman who died in the quarry and is now haunting people in the woods. It's very clear that whatever that is or she is or it is is the main antagonist in the game. But you also get mixed up with these local yokels, these guys who live out in the woods, and they appear like the first time you see them, they're using like the scope on their gun to kind of spy on the teens, and you think that they may be the people who are actually doing all the bad things in the game. But then there are other hints that they're actually trying to help the teenagers survive at some points. But then there's other little subtle scenes where it looks like, no, wait a minute, like they actually could still be the killers. They play on this throughout the whole game. Like the whole game, literally, you are guessing whether these local yokel guys are good or bad people. And that's like a big X factor that kind of helps keep the pros going. This is the point here I was talking about where you make the decision. chosen. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So have you seen what I've been talking about with the graphics yet, Matt? Uh, I mean, it doesn't look amazing to me, right? Really? No. Um, looks fine, but like, it looks like a kind of what I'd expect as a uh, an evolution of Until Dawn because Until Dawn didn't look bad. Yeah, but this destroys it. Like, if you go back now and look at Until Dawn and compare it to this game, like visually, it's like night and day. Like it literally, this game mops the floor with Until Dawn graphically. And there's some scenes later on, like there's a scene where you're in the water with, there's two characters in the water. I've never seen, it literally looks photorealistic. There are, there are times when you're playing this game where you do a double take. You're like, wait a minute, is that like, are they, is this just some weird filter that they put over live action footage? Or is that actually like characters built out of polygons and shaders and all that kind of stuff? Like maybe this b-roll right now isn't selling it but i'm telling you matt there are some moments in this game that are some of the best looking graphics i've ever seen in a video game as far as like looking like realistic but that also brings in the whole uncanny valley thing like one thing that they haven't nailed 100 percent in this game is the way some mouths move so some of the stuff looks so real that you see like one passage of the script delivered with a mouth that doesn't move exactly how you think it should be and it throws you off. There's some glitchy hair in the game. Anything that's like a little bit off tosses you out of the immersion in this game. Like there's LOD issues. Like you don't actually walk or run that much in this game, but you can still see like shrubs like drawing in like 40 feet away. It really pulls you out because the rest of the game really does oh, look... Yeah, that hair is not uh, not tops there. But look at how the lighting works on the hair. The, like the one thing I would say, look at the lighting on the face of the characters there. Like it event, like it gets to a point where it is literally hard to tell the difference between like if this is like live action footage. And again, I get that this footage isn't selling it that well, but look at the lighting on that face. Sort of. Like here's the thing, though. Look at the gleams on the eyes. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Like I don't have a problem telling this the difference between this and like a film footage thing because in a film you'd light the fucking actors. Right. Like I think that looks awful. Like I can't see their goddamn faces. Why why are they doing that that way? I think well, it's a horror. Yeah, but you can still game. light someone's face so you can see their face move. Like half their face is in shadow. I for mean, that. the whole game what is, is like David this, Fincher. Obviously, it's just this one scene. But yeah, but it's just, I don't, I don't, I think that's annoying. Like, I can't. I mean, part of this might just be like running it through this low quality TV. But like, yeah, no, I mean, until Dawn had some of that too. It's like I don't. That's weird lighting to me. Like, I would not light a scene that way. Like, I, I don't, I don't actually think that's very good. I mean, it's good tech, but I don't think it's good cinematography. Artistically, yeah. Um, like that? Why? Why? Why is this? If I'm supposed to be looking at this character's impressive facial animations, why are they not lighting her face? Yeah, it's it's weird. It's a weird. Cho- I mean, and the 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 Dark Journeys games do that too. 
Like there's a lot of like it's like just because it's dark doesn't mean you have to like not be able to see anything. Like I, these guys must be big David Fincher fans because mm. um, Fincher does that too. Or it's just like I can't see anyone's eyes, dude. Like that's where you that's where you see. Well, there are there are plenty of scenes in this game that are in broad daylight. Sure, it's just like I. And she's in a spotlight for some reason. Yeah, the light coming through the trees or whatever. Now she's not. Okay, it's like, I have noticed that the lighting is very different from shot to shot as they change. Angles. We gotta realize I'm cutting B-roll together here. No, I mean in the shot where like, um, like where they're talking on the stairs. When it would cut to one angle, the light on the girl on the stairs is one one way, and when it cuts the other angle, the light on her uh, come on her face is a completely different way. So you can see that side of her face, but the lighting is completely different from one shot to the other, um, which is sloppy lighting. Yeah, um, I think the game looks amazing. One of the best looking games I've ever seen. I think the text impressive. I don't think they're using it very well so, um, from what I've seen here. But dude, there does there are some scenes in this like literally where it is like photorealistic and yeah. it, it, it's a creepy. Clearly, their facial motion mocap rigs are are top of the line. It's incre- like, It's incredible. Like even despite the fact that sometimes the mouths are a little off, like mm-hmm. otherwise, like the eyes, the way the eyes dart, the way the eyes have a gleam in the corners, like. It's amazing. Like some again, there are some moments in this game where I had to like do a double take and be like, "Holy crap, man! Are they like literally just laying like a weird video game filter over stuff that they shot? Like it looks that close to realism." Um, but there is uncanny valley stuff here, and I don't know how you ever get over that. Honestly, there's a couple of scenes where it's creepy because they it looks so real, but the eyes are, they're still dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, you mm-hmm. can still tell that it's this computer-generated thing, but your brain is like, but it's not. It's a real person. But, but there's something in the back of your mind that's telling you, no, this is fake. This is fake. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, that's just, that's literally the uncanny valley. It's like, we're wired to see faces. Like, that is awful, that animation of that golf cart. Like, why is it jittering forward like that? It's so weird. I don't know. That could just be the way I capture it, because I have to capture... Footage at 30 frames per second for the TriCaster. Yeah, but like the character... So if it runs at 60, and sometimes it gets a little jittery whenever Maybe, it renders. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm impressed by that shot. Just like the environments are very nice. Yep. I don't know. Uh, I'm coming off of, of the new patched horizon. Like, this, 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 is a, this is a very different vibe to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also, like, it seems to vary by actor. Like, that guy's face is very... Seems like it's translating very well. Where like the blonde girl in the in the jeep, her her mouth didn't seem to. She's she's the, the problem. Her the mouth en- is the, the problem, engine doesn't actually. seem to know quite. It's what funny that you picked up on that. She is a character whose mouth does not yeah. operate. And well. that is because I'm sure the actress's mouth is doing very similar moves. There, what's happening is like basically the, that this engine or it cannot really or the rigs maybe cannot like simulate how the rest of her facial muscles would work in conjunction with how her mouth gets that wide. It's possible. Um, that's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, yep. that's a. Especially in real time, like that's that's borderline impossible right now. It'll, it'll get there. I think by the end of this generation, you're going to see some some facial animation that's going to make you go, like, "What the?" I, I mean, this game is damn close, man. Like she is the one eyesore as far as the the rigging for the faces. She is I when I mentioned more, that she was the character I was talking about. I think a little more refinement. Like I'd, I'd imagine their next big game of, of this type because it seems like they're going to keep doing the anthology games, mm-hmm. but then like maybe they'll do a big thing like this. You know, they're. You do the anthology games to pay for your big slasher movie games, and uh, I would imagine they'll get there. Sort of like with uh, the the Greedfall guys. Yeah. Sort, sort of like you know, they're gonna get to that Bethesda that that Bioware quality eventually, and like seems like these guys will get to like some kind of you know, like like I don't know who you want to call the best in the mocap. There's business David right Arquette. Now. Oh yeah, I can see that. That's pretty good. Well, he looks like David Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> um, so getting to how the game plays, I use the word play very loosely. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's until dawn. It's, it's it QTEs and, and choice things. Yep, and there is some times where you do control characters in, like, you know, where you have control of the camera and the character at the same time. But most of the time when you're actually playing the game, it is from a fixed camera perspective. So you have those moments where the camera cuts to a new angle and you don't, and you're holding the stick in one direction. And then all of a sudden the camera cuts and your character starts walking the other direction. Like, it's, I sometimes I felt like I was playing a game from like 1998 when I was playing this game. Uh, it's just like the old survival horror problems where like the controller you have to end up like moving the direction you're holding the analog stick to keep walking in the same direction when the camera cuts. Um, but as you said, gameplay is very light. There's basically single stick move, move QTEs or you mash the A button. And that's uh-huh. it. You either hit up, down, left or right on the stick or you mash the A. Those are the only quick time events in the entire game. You have the same time window from the beginning of the game to the end. It's very generous. Like the only time I missed QTEs was when I would like scratch my face or pick up my phone because they can pop up at any time for like dumb things like you saw earlier in the b-roll like he tossed him a set of keys Mm -hmm. and he had to hold up on the analog stick to catch the keys it's like until dawn was like that. it's like why why is that even because they want you to pay attention right but it's like you spend long periods of time watching this Mm -hmm. and then out of nowhere something will pop up another part of the game is collecting tarot cards and what will happen is the tarot card will just be in the foreground or the background of a shot. It'll have like an aura around it, and you have to hit A or X, depending mm-hmm. on what, what controller you're playing, to pick up the tarot card. And then there are these little vignettes where you go and talk to this old woman tarot card reader where you can get like bonuses or whatever. But like, if you put the controller down or you scratch your face or you pick up your drink to take a sip, like you can miss stuff in this game. And that's the only way that I did miss any of the QTEs because they're really easy. Now, there are some sections of the game where they provide like a risk reward. Like there's some scenes where you need to get somewhere really quick to try to save somebody or try to help somebody. And they will give you the option of trying to take a shortcut. And if you do that, then the quick time events are a little more challenging. Not that much more, but a little bit more. You'll have more inputs you have to put in. You'll have maybe a little bit less of a window to put the inputs in beforehand. So there's a little bit of a risk reward stuff, but for the most, there it is again, catch the keys, hit up. Why? What if you drop the keys? Nothing. I, I did drop the keys once and nothing happened. Mm. Like, nothing happened at all. Um, so there is a little... They do kind of mix up the risk-reward a little bit with some of the, the more... Uh, like the, the chase scenes, I guess, to try to make them a little bit more intense. But for the most part, you really... As long as you're holding the controller and you're paying attention, you are in no danger of messing up any of the QTEs in this game. Um, obviously, another big well, part... Well, he's got room in his Jeep, why doesn't he take some of the... Right. Ki- like, you can fit all of them in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The whole beginning of the game. Like it wouldn't be comfortable, but you could do it. Yeah. Well, if you like that, they do have all their stuff. They've been living there all summer, so they all have like five bags or whatever. All right. We'll but, still take them you back. Still humanly and you come take, back and come get back your butt. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. if you really think it's dangerous enough to not tell them to not to go outside. Right. Like I said, the beginning of the game, you're like, what the f is going on? And then all that stuff goes away, mm-hmm. and everything else makes sense from then on out. I expect more from someone who's been through three Scream movies, David Arquette. <laughs> Yeah, you know better. <laughs> Seth Green taught you better. Yeah, um, and then the only other gameplay there is like gunplay in this game. Like there's Seth Green. It's but it's like it's really awkward and weird. And like when it does pop up, you have the option of shooting the gun or not. And I never shot it because there's a flashlight on it. I could never find anyone to shoot. And <laughs> as it turns out, I think you were supposed to not fire the shotgun. And that leads me into the big crux of this game, which is choice. And that's really what these games are about. 
making decisions either on the fly or pondering them, and then having to deal with the repercussions of, of those decisions on down the line later. And it's a mixed bag. Decisions can be tough. Like sometimes you have as much time as you want to decide. Like when I decided to cut the fuel line or take the part out of the engine, I had as much time as I wanted to. But other times you are under the gun and you have to make a decision on within the heat of the moment. And it'll get your heart pumping because it's really hard to figure out what the right answer is. For example, there's one scene where the character is trying to use a zip line to zip all the way across a lake and get away from the antagonist. And she go and she gets to the zip line and the handle for the zip line is actually like 10 feet down the zip line. And so she has to crank this crank to get the handle of the zip line up to where she can grab it and then slide across the zip line across the lake. And so the game starts asking you, do you want to crank quickly? Because the antagonist is coming after you. It doesn't know where you are. So you're like, no, I want to crank it slow so it doesn't make any noise and I can get the crank up here and then go across. Well, what happens is you crank it slow and it makes a lot of noise and it asks you again, do you want to crank fast now or do you want to crank slow? And I was like, no, and I think it's still making less noise. I'm going to crank slow. And so I kept doing I kept cranking slow and then the antagonist appears behind you and it's, he's, it's running at you and just at the last second, you manage to get the, the, the handle to the top and you zip line down across. Like, it's a guess whether you should crank fast or crank slow. It's all luck. And a, to me, most of the big decisions in this game, they are luck. There's, there's very, it's very difficult to figure out what the game wants you to do. What is the right choice in those situations? It just... It just, it just feels random. But at the same time... Ideally, there wouldn't be a right choice. And that's what I was going to get at. The thing is, is like you want to fail some of these things because that throws the story into chaos. Like, I had managed to keep all of them alive. And like seven hours into the game, I still had all of them alive. And then the game just started throwing all these crazy decisions at me. And it just all started going to hell. Like, in a handbasket very quickly. And it made it interesting and fun. Uh, what I had realized is like I had been striving to keep all these people alive. And the game was actually more fun and interesting when they were dying. <laughs> and so I do. I feel like it may be by design that they're giving you these choices where it's impossible to figure out what the right choice is. Because it's probably better for you as the player if you do fail some of them. And some people die or get put in these dire consequences that ratchet up the intensity in, mm -hmm. the, in the, the action of the game. These vignettes... No idea why they're in the game. So bizarre. Look, did you see that? Yeah, the animated thing. Yeah. yeah, where they like teach you like about some of the stuff in the game. Like here, how's how you deal with evidence in the game? So out of place. <laughs> it's like why are you showing me this goofy cartoon in the middle of a horror game? Because I, it's a lot faster to do that than to make a make something that looks like the tech. In I the guess. Main game. Like this is probably much quicker. It was very jarring. I was just like, why are these things in here? You could have a different animation team or whatever banking this when everyone yep. else is rigging 3D 3D models. Yep. Um. Yeah, the other thing too though is that the binary decisions, and this is just a problem with these games in general, <laughs> not just the games that these people make, but just these choose your own adventure games in general, is that the binary choices that you make often lead you to definitive outcomes that will completely ignore things that happened prior or relationships that were built in the game. Like one thing that I found when I got at the end is I was thinking back and I'm like, wait a minute, there were all these scenes that I played through and watched that 
brought these two characters closer together or where they formed an alliance or they found a common ground. And I got to the end of the game and I realized that because I had made decisions that had all these consequences, that a lot of those things just disappeared. There was never any resolution for them. There was nothing. It's like, hey, we had this moment and we're a squad now and we like each other now, but none of it ever comes to fruition. And I guess maybe that's a little bit of an incentive to go back and play it again. Mm-hmm. It, I'm sure there's some flag that determines that one way or the other. And yeah, because it's easy to make you know those those big choice web games sort of unravel in that way. Yeah, unless you know the path that they want you to take to get that sort of payoff. Yeah, yep. Um, and then and here's a note too: if you get the um, the deluxe edition of this game, the first time you play it through, there's a feature called the Death Rewind where it actually lets you, if somebody dies, you can rewind it. Now, mm. I didn't use it because I played the regular version of the game, but somebody's I did some reading about Forza. it. What? Somebody's been playing Forza. Yeah. But, exactly, <laughs> the rewind feature. But So I didn't experience it because my version, you have to finish the game before that feature unlocks. Mm. The deluxe version you have it the first time you play through, don't mess with it because there are some glitches in this game. There's one decision or one death that if you decide to rewind... It takes you back to the beginning of the game. And that decision is at like hour nine. Wow. Yes. That's not good. No, it's not good. I feel like that's not working as intended. No, it's not. No, the developers (laughs) have already addressed it and they're like, we're going to patch it, but we haven't got it done yet. Sorry, sorry. I'm trying to remove it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. But essentially you have three opportunities to intervene when a, when a character dies and jump back to make different choices to help them survive. And that that's, one that's choice... I mean, one of the most frustrating things in Until Dawn is when you're trying to do like a perfect run through and screwing up and then like somebody dies. You're like, oh, I got to start over again. Like, uh-huh. like that's, a, that's a good addition. But yeah, it's, it, feels like, it feels more appropriate for that to be unlocked after you finish it the first time. Yep. Um, I would definitely not want to play that with, with that. That's too much power. Yeah. Especially if you can erase your game. Yeah, accident. You have to go all the way back to the beginning of the oh. begin, the first scene where they're standing in front of the cabin with the oh. car. Yeah, so brutal. Annoying. Yep. So don't do it. Don't mess around with it. Uh, just play through it. Don't uh, do it. As I said, the game is around ten hours long, and as as I've also said, there's plenty of incentive to replay it. Um, the game does track like your main decision paths um, that can that actually alter the playthrough, so you can check and see what choice you made that caused things to branch in a particular way. Mm-hmm. So when you go and play through it the second time, you know, hey, at this point, I need to make this decision differently to make sure it plays out differently, when which is, is this, a nice resource is, to have. This is, set, this is set today? Is it modern? It's present day, yeah. yeah. And there's definitely some, like, you know, why do the cell phones never have reception? There's some of that to it. And I don't get full reception in this room, let I alone know. in the camp. No, I mean, you're yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not questioning that anymore. I've yeah. had a cell phone too long. <laughs> they all have AT&T. That's the answer. <laughs> Um, and there are extensive accessibility options, so you can choose to just watch the the movie play for ten hours, mm-hmm. um, or you can you know make sure that you're taking every opportunity to interact and alter the story yourself, or you can just set it up so like you're just playing some of the quick time events. Like they've done a really good job of giving the player a lot of latitude in how they want to play it and how much they want to interact with the game. But no matter what, you're not going to interact a ton. It is very light on gameplay and interactivity. So. My point is, after playing this, I was completely enraptured with this game all 10 hours through. And I started thinking back to all the horror movies that I've watched in the last decade. And honestly, Matt, like maybe two of them were as good as this game as far as like a plot with the payoff. And this is something where you can change the trajectory of the plot, who lives and who dies. And I was just blown away by this game. I had a blast playing this game. I've really enjoyed it. Again, 
one of the most pleasant surprises I've had in 2022. The title of the game. <laughs> That's a rough close-up. Yeah. The title, he's, to me, he is the worst character model in the game. Yeah, he doesn't look right. It's, uh, he needs next-gen neck tech. Well, his neck is always sweating. <laughs> yeah. Always sweating. For whatever reason, the whole way through the game, his neck is always sweating. He's a big Top Gun fan. Yeah, yeah. Sweatiest movie of 1986. Now, this game is full price. Like, if you buy, like, I got the Xbox One version. It was 60 bucks. The Xbox Series version is 70 bucks. It is 10 there's hours. A, there's another one. There's, like, a deluxe version, too. There is. Yeah, that's even more. Yeah. And, um... That's too much. <laughs> it's a 10-hour game, and you can play it again. Yeah, I think I ended up paying, like, 20 bucks for Until Dawn on sale, and I, that felt about right. Like, I would probably Maybe for pay... this would be more, because Until Dawn... I, I certainly wouldn't praise Until Dawn's writing the way you're praising this one. Oh, oh, I didn't even talk about, actually, the voice acting. The, the writing. The voice acting in this. Amazing. Amazing. There's a couple characters... Well, the cast is real solid. Like, there's the a cast, couple lines. Yeah, I forgot to actually read some of the people who are in this. Like, there's huge... Like, I already obviously mentioned David no, Arquette. Fair, until Don had Rami Malek before anybody yep. knew who he was. This but. has David Arquette. It has Lance Hedrickson. It has mm-hmm. Ted Raimi in it. Um, and the voice acting is incredible. Lance Hendrickson will show up as long as you can pay him. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple lines throughout 10 hours that are, like, not delivered perfectly. But otherwise, the voice acting is incredible. The writing, really good. Like, legitimately... Funny jokes. The stuff that they say is the stuff that real humans would say if they were put in these in these situations. The decision making that isn't yours always makes sense. Like there's none of that dumb horror crap like that Geico commercial where like let's hide. Well, there's a car. Let's get in the car and drive away. No, let's hide behind the chainsaws. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. of that in this. Like everything they do makes sense, and they put you in a couple positions too where you question yourself. So like there's one scene where all hell's starting to break loose and there's a group of the counselors at a fire and then there's others that are scattered out in the woods who are in trouble and one of the counselors wants to take the gun that you have with him to go check on one of the people who has left the camp and you get in a struggle over the gun and your choice is let him have the gun or keep the gun and it's one of those timed ones and i'm like oh my god what do i want to do let him have the gun keep the gun and i thought to myself i'm like there's more people here at the fire so i need to keep the gun to protect the larger group of people. And so I keep the gun and he goes off and like tries to rescue the rescue the person without the gun. Later on I find out that was the right choice to make. Like they think like the decisions that you make make sense. Like they also are like, "You know what? You got six people here at the fire. Why are you going to give the guy a gun to go save one person when you can keep the gun and keep the six people at the fire safe?" Like the whole game is like this. Again, like this I'm just Blown away by this game, Matt. I can't believe it. <laughs> like how much I enjoyed this game. And I am a horror guy. I love horror movies. I am a horror aficionado. I'm a little gorehead. I had a Fangoria magazine subscription when I was a kid. Um, this is in my wheelhouse. But if you like stuff like this, this is great. This is easily their best game by a mile. Way better than Until Dawn. Miles better than the Dark Pictures anthology. This is them in their pure form. So... Hmm. The leap from Until Dawn to this, to me, is drastic. And so I don't know if they're going to be able to keep making improvements like this in leaps and bounds, but um, if you're into this kind of stuff but only moderately, check back in with these guys in another three years, and who knows what they'll be doing then. Um, But I was really impressed with this, but the problem is the price. You said 20 bucks. I would pay 40 bucks for this, but that's max. That Mm -hmm. is the most I would pay for it. Um, There is value in playing it again. More value than I would argue in a lot of video games to play it again. Um, Just to see the different outcomes and the things that can happen. Like, again, 
I made it to hour seven something before anyone died. But there are ways for characters to die in the first like two hours of the game. So there's all these branching paths, different ways you can play through it, all based on your decisions. And ultimately the outcomes in the decisions all make sense. I can't remember a horror movie that does that. I just watched the recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, like the second one that they've done now was for like Netflix or Amazon or something. That movie was so full of stupid shit. We were just mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? Why would you do that in a million years? That makes no sense. None of that stuff happens in this. And it's 10 hours long. <laughs> it's just, to me, an amazing piece of work. Really impressed with it. I can't recommend it enough. At least once the price comes down. If you, if you find this for 40 bucks, buy it immediately. I really balk at spending 60 or 70 bucks for it, though. I don't know what they're thinking, trying to charge that much for it. Because um, it it's just... I just can't rationalize that that many hours of entertainment for that much. And I know people will be like, well, look, I pay $15 to go see a movie and it's an hour and a half. And if you do the math, it actually works out. If you're one of those people, then go buy it. Generally, my scale, my purchase scale, it's too short for um, 60 Yeah, but I think it's expect you're going to play it more than once. Yeah. So you're probably looking closer to 20. Yeah. Once you've seen everything. And you're right, because there's no way to fast play this game either. No. It's not one of those games where, like, once you play it once, you're like, you can get to everything, you know what to do, and you can go everywhere before you have to think about it or whatever. This game is, you have to play it at the pace that the game lets you play it. So if you play it again, you will get pretty much that same 10 hours out of it again. Um, but yeah, again, just a real pleasant surprise. Really glad I played it, had a lot of fun with it. And I actually paid for this game myself. Um, and I don't regret it too much. Mm. Like, I would have rather have paid 40 bucks for it, but, you know, it's my job to come here and jump on grenades for you guys. So I went out and bought the game just like anybody else and played it. And um, I don't feel ripped off. But I know for a lot of people, money's tight right now. And so it's hard for me to recommend that somebody else would go. I mean, it looks like they put AAA level money into it. They did. Oh, for sure. Yep. I can understand the the price. I just don't know if that's something, you know, you're talking about comparing that to something like God of War. Right. Yeah. It's And I can't. Like, it's buy God of War. Do not, if you're picking between you, this you, or a God of but War. But you can't buy God of War yeah. for like six more months. Yeah, so. yeah, you're right. And you may need something to play right now. And I really, really like this. So, um, And you're right, Matt. The promotion for this, terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. The title of the game, terrible. I, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, until I mentioned it ago. like on when I left on Sunday after Xbox. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you playing? You tell me what you were playing. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm playing the quarry. And you were like, what's that? I thought, I mean, I, and I honestly, when I I thought when you mentioned it, and when I lo- first looked at it on the store, I thought it was like one of those like Friday the Thirteenth Evil Dead style multiplayer games. Yeah, no, nope. like that's what I thought. I thought it was like, oh, it's one of these asymmetrical thing where you play one, one person plays a killer, and, and I was like, oh, no, I was like, oh no, that's Superman. I realized who it was that made it, and figured that was not what that was. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, that is a that's a poorly named and promoted game. It is. Yeah, which is doubly weird because of how much clear effort went into into it and the casting. But okay. AJ the Legend Washington asks, "What do you think Supermassive or similar developers can do in these games to improve upon them?" I think these games are what they are. Yeah, I mean, I honestly like. Okay, there is something like get rid of the fixed camera angles. Like that's it's really mm-hmm. annoying. Like when you're just trying to explore and find clues or whatever. Yeah, I did see you go back and forth there. Yeah. in the cabin. It happens there. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it'll cut angles, and if you keep holding the stick in the same direction, the character will turn around and start walking mm-hmm. the opposite direction. They can get rid of all that crap for sure. Um, they could actually put some like gunplay in these games that actually works and is like worthwhile. They could make them more interactive, I guess is what I'm getting at, and better to interact with. 
Um, while still keeping the choice and the consequences and the great writing and the great voice Let acting. Let me open every drawer. Right. Let me be Shenmue. <laughs> I don't want that either. <laughs> That's going too far in the other direction. Pick but, up every orange. Yeah. But this, I mean, I'll be honest with you, AJ. This is about as good as this stuff gets. Like, this, mm-hmm. if you're into this kind of stuff, go buy this game. Because I do say it is overpriced. But if this is one of your favorite genres, it won't feel overpriced to you. Because it's the best example of the genre. Um, is this also online offline co-op from Danboy90? No, no, there's no co-op in this. Yeah, there is. How? You like assign... Oh, there's couch co-op. Yeah, yeah you ass- and yeah. there's going to be an online mode. Where you assist but people you in ass- making the decisions. Yeah, and you, yeah. And you assign people different different characters. Yeah, that's how, you're actually you're right about that, yeah. I did see that on the store page. Yeah. Um, any other questions you guys got? Because I, I looked more into it because I was like, online won't be available to July 8th. What is it? What on, like, what does that mean? That's one of the reasons I initially thought it was like a like a Evil Dead Friday 13th kind of thing because like there was online play. And like, I was like, oh, no, that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, it's... They, I mean, they, they recognize like one of the ways people played Until Dawn was is, is like a party thing, party game. Like people all get together and watch... You, you play it like a movie you know, because it's, it's engaging enough for people to just sort of watch it like a movie and, and yell about the choices. Yep. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm not like... The funny part is that like story for me in games usually is like way down the totem pole of my priorities. But in a game where it's all about story, then I absolutely care about it. And they did a great job handling it in uh, The Quarry. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that Matt has been playing, and then I went and played. However, I have a feeling that you probably played more, because I had Mm -hmm. to keep trudging forward with the quarry. I'm at the end of the demo now. Where is the end of this demo? Uh, You go through four chapters. Okay, because I played Um, through like two and a half, and I was like... It's not a short demo. I'm like, is this the whole game? And what we're talking about is Fire Emblem Warriors. What is it? Three Hopes? Three Hopes. Three Hopes, which is a Dynasty Warriors game set in the Fire Emblem Three Houses universe. Mm -hmm. And it really is set in the Fire Emblem Three Houses universe. Yeah, it's an alternate universe version of it. And it's, but it's not that alternate because it really wraps you up mm. into the same stuff oh, that was but happening. But it's extremely alternate because it's a completely different outcome. What do you mean by outcome? Well, you remember Three Houses is basically about them going to school together, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The school part is over in about three chapters. Oh. Maybe I didn't get to that point because I... They, you're about, you, you're you become to, a part of the school. <laughs> right, but that lasts literally 20 minutes. Oh, uh, okay. Like, so I didn't quite get there. No. So the de- so the demo covers the first four chapters, which is like the prologue, and I think the first or one or two chapters of the actual game beginning. So there's three different stories, because you have to choose which house to side with. And from what I can tell, each house is a completely different story. Really? Because I sided with Edelgard in the, so in did the, I. In the, the Black <laughs> Eagle, because that's who I picked in the, the, oh, the house. I did not. Because I like those characters the best. And so I went with them, and like the whole story has shifted. So they do the whole thing where she's got this whole plan to do this thing. So you enact the plan, and like she basically takes over and becomes emperor of that of the empire. And then it jumps two years ahead, and and the 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 the, the academy's gone, and like she's basically waging war against it. Like you're you're invading the middle of that map to like wow destroy the the church. Huh. And like. No one knows why. Like, like you're all you're all with her because like okay, yeah, because you're doing a good job as empress, so like, we'll do this. Yeah. And like the church people, like the you know the, the headmasters from the, the three houses game are like, why is she doing this? Yeah. And like everybody, you know, the other three, the, all three house leaders have become the leaders of their respective nations. So this is chapter four, and like, so the main meat of the game 
is not three houses. It's it's what if three houses? Because what this is 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 actually uh, the main character of three houses. What you play Byleth. Mm-hmm. The story is actually what if Byleth never ended up at that school. Nah. Because Byleth is the antagonist. Right. Yeah. You choose and, whether you want it to be male or female yeah. as well. Yeah. And your character sort of joins instead as this mercenary, and you pick a house uh, in very convoluted. Uh, for like, there's like oh you should just join the school pick a house whatever right. you know, like, yeah. and all of a sudden you just get caught up in these like you know continental issues mm-hmm. um, so it jumps ahead way faster than three houses did three houses you spent all, a lot of time in the school before you know the conflicts really started between the various nations this is you are literally jumping at least in the the the, the black eagle thing you're, you're jumping ahead two years and everybody's got their fancy armor on nobody you know it's and so when you hit chapter four, you kind of finally hit the um, the the meat of what I think the game is is is, which is you see the whole map of the continent, and they show the outline of all these areas you need to conquer to get. And like there's a there's usually a, a string of areas, and then it shows you kind of the ultimate goal of the chapter. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of conquer all the all the areas, and each one's a you know Dynasty Warriors level essentially. And then there's like different areas, like little points of interest in each area. You after you conquer the area, you can click on them, and you get bonuses from them. And you can like they're like little kind of like quick side quest or text choice things. Um, so like the the meat of the game seems to be like a pretty war map, you know, war gaming map thing where you have to like take over the thing and and get through through it that way. It's actually pretty compelling. It's 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 got a lot of. It's got some Dynasty Warriors empires too. Dude, this game's insane. Um, it yeah. is insane. It has like so many elements from Fire mm-hmm. Emblem in it, like strategy stuff, where yeah. you like start like on a map and you can give orders to mm-hmm. your party members to go to different parts of the map and start like attacking different targets. Yeah, or- I mean, so you could do that in the first Fire Emblem Warriors, but the trick on this one is. You kind of have to do it in this one, yeah. Because um, a lot of stuff happens simultaneously around the battlefield, and you are trying to get high rankings in the like, S rankings, and, and one of those rankings is time. And if you want to do these these missions, a lot of times in a timely manner, you have to send different characters out to the different parts of the battlefield to fight these these battles and take over these sections. Because it does have the same thing that they had in um, uh, the first Fire Emblem Warriors, where each character has classes, and each class is is better or worse against certain other classes, mm-hmm. and it's showing on the map uh, which where the the officers you're better against and worse against are. So you can send your teammates out to you know fight the guys they're best against. Yeah, and it tells you ha- on the map yeah. like you kind of have that all percentage chance of like you can kind of have that all happen at once. Because early on, I was trying to do everything myself like you normally yep. do in a Dynasty Warriors game. Yeah, and it was just I was running over here, and it was just, it was you know the the S rank time for the map was like 13 minutes, and it took me like 40. You know, yeah. it was like, you have okay. to send them if you want to hit yeah, those numbers. So like you, yeah, so you have to, like, really... You have to strategize a little more, yeah. which is cool. Like, uh, and there's all this, you know, there's all the, the relationship building and the, and the, yeah. the in, you know, the, the conversations as you... you the up branching your, conversations yeah. where you make decisions in your conversations. And, there's, and you haven't gotten to this part, but there's a part where, like, there's crafting on things and then, like, there's cooking, just like in Three Houses. There's uh, training and, you know, all these classes to unlock. You there's, can choose um, permadeath or turn it off. Yeah, you can do permadeath. It's like that. That's like the first one. I just... Casual. Yeah, me too. Like I'm not about these people dying. And then you can uh, there's there's uh, the conversation thing. You know the where you you up your level enough with with another character, and then you have a conversation, and your alliance, your, your friendship rank goes up. Like yeah. that's all in there. Um, it it's really, crazy. It really is a Fire Emblem game, <laughs> but instead of turn-based battles, you are playing an action game. You go and fight it. That's, that's it. It really, that's is. really is. It's just like Three Houses, except instead of going out and playing turn-based turn-based battles. 
they're real time. You're playing an action game. Yeah, yeah. playing a real time action game. And dude, the real the fighting is insane. The depth of the combat in this is nuts. Like, you have a dodge, you have a parry. Yeah. You have like you can't see him because like our graphics are. You know, I'll just take them away so you can see here. You can see in the bottom right hand, and of course, of course, I level up at the wrong exact time. But in the bottom right, you can see how many attacks you have, like that are that are like set up to use at all times. Yeah. And then you earn new attacks that you can then swap in and out. Yeah. Like, and you level them up by using them. Yeah, and all by that. using them. Yeah. Which I, I love games that do that. It's like, yeah, my, if I really like some a weapon and I'm using it a lot, level that thing up. Like every game should do that, in my opinion. Um, so but you can see the map up there. They're they're intricate maps, and like, and as, as Matt said, like you'll start like a map, and they'll point out where like where the big enemies are on the map. And mm-hmm. at that point, you can choose to send your team out to those different points. It will tell you what percentage chance they have of completing that objective or whatever. And in some cases, they won't even let you send people if they're just yeah. going to go and die. Which means you got to go do it yourself. Yeah, and usually that means um, that it's on you, yeah. Yeah, it's and so like once you get to once you see chapter four like here and you, it lets you play through a series of those battles to conquer like the final area and then it's like okay now you got to wait for the full game but you can mm-hmm. import the save from the demo to the full game. This demo's huge. Um, so it's a lot. It's free like, on the eShop right yeah, now. Yeah, it's like a ten hour demo. Almost. It just keeps yeah. going. Um, and I will say this like after um you know after getting through that kind of that, that chapter four is where you really get the real taste of like oh this is what they get with your home base and all the stuff you can do and all the yeah. things at home base and how the leveling up when the class changing works and and how the moving through the map works and what kind of scene where they're setting up how the conflict's gonna function um i'm gonna I'm gonna put a preliminary thing out on this and say this may be the best Muso game ever made. I was gonna say the same like this, thing. Like this is the Dynasty Warriors. This the is the Dynasty thing. Warriors game I have always wanted them to make, and they never did. Yes, I was blown like, away by this. This game, is man. really, really, really good. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, like the the one <laughs> caveat I'll say is I think if you haven't played Three Houses, you're gonna be a little lost as to yeah. who all these people are. But other than that, like. This is probably the best Dynasty yeah. Warriors game of all time. It is funny, too. Like, the game has no Nintendo branding. It's all, like, Koei, Tecmo, and Omega Force. Mm-hmm. Like, if you boot it up, it doesn't have a Nintendo logo or anything. It's like it's a no, it doesn't. That's true. Koei Tecmo, yeah. Tecmo game, like, which is weird. But what is so crazy how good this is and how bad the Dynasty Warriors games have become. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. No Dynasty Warriors game comes close. And you're right, Matt. Like... It brings in elements of all the stuff that Koei Tecmo yeah. does. Stuff that they haven't had in since, like, Dynasty Warriors 5 Empires yeah. in places. Like, like the, even some of like, the grand-scale strategy stuff has just been missing from the main Musou games for years. There's even, like, Romance of the Three Kingdoms elements in this. Yeah. It's, like, all of it. It's, like, this is, like, Koei Tecmo's, like, ultimate game. All it's like, it's like they went doing. through and picked all the best stuff they've put in individual games of, like, Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors over the years. And yeah. finally been like, oh, yeah, let's just put all that in one. Yeah, it's like you can, so you can start, like, a mission and you can choose another character to, quote, unquote, team up with. And then you do these awesome team-up attacks. Like, it, the, it's incredible. And the depth of the combat is amazing. It runs great. Even though you're, there's, like, hundreds and hundreds of enemies on screen at a time, I never saw the frame rate buckle. Did you? No. And this is a smooth. demo. Like it's not butter. even done. I've, I've been blown away by this. Like, I I was wondering if you felt this, and then you just said it. Like, the best Dynasty Warriors game ever. I'm like, I was thinking about that driving over here. I'm like, have I played a better Dynasty Warriors game? And granted, I'm only, I think I've played two and a half hours of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it just keeps getting better and no, okay. Wait, you get to cha- get to chapter four where it unlocks the whole map and all this stuff. Like, it's great. It's amazing. It's like the lower third says, Muso Deep. 
Like, mm-hmm. I was just shocked at how deep everything in this game is. And like you said, there's the relationship stuff where you build the romance or the different relationships with the other characters in your party. It still has the whole, mm-hmm. like, Harry Potter pick the house stuff, like the school, all the characters that you know from Three Houses, which if you played it, it took you 60-some hours to finish it. You have relationships with these characters. Like, yeah, I remember definitely. these characters and their their quirks and, like, all that stuff. Like, just blown away by this game, Matt. Mm-hmm. I've the most again another great pleasant surprise from yeah, this week hugely shocking yeah like i mean i like the first fire emblem warriors and i, I didn't li- even I, play it i'm like it's good like it's, it's it this is this takes a lot from it but it's, it refines everything like the first one definitely had um it had the the paper rock scissors element you know mm-hmm. the different types being better yeah. than the others it had the class progression it had the you can command characters to go different places and do things it was not as essential as in the, like this, I feel like you have to do. Yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in the other one, it was just sort of a nice thing you could do to have. It had the special moves that I like, but there's just like a there's a, this, it did not have the narrative of this. It was much more slapdash in terms of putting. You know, it was a, it was a mix of all the different fire emblems together, and it was sort of a weird sort of team up. It could like the Warriors Orochi things, yeah, or sort of yep. a best of sort right. of thing. Yep. Um, this feels like very this feel the closest uh, analog I think in the mainline Muso games is probably. Um, uh, Samurai Warriors Spirit of Samada. I know what Samada. you're talking about. <laughs> no, it was like it was a, it was a story. It wasn't. It was between four and five. I Samurai remember Warriors that four game, and five. Yeah. It was like it was a very story driven yeah. game. I think it was a tie in with a drama TV series in Japan um, about the same story. But uh, that's the closest I can get to something that's as story driven as this is. This is a very robust story. And like again. It's Fire Emblem. If you if you if you don't want to have people standing around repeating the same thing over and over again and saying, you know, there's a lot of like there's as a you lot of as you know, we <laughs> have conquered most of the southern continent in the last two years. I'm like, yeah, why are you telling the emperor who told you to do that that what they just did? Like, there is a um, lot of I will say this. There is a lot of jibber jabber. Yeah, and I is. did find myself jamming that A button. Yeah, to get you can, through some you of can jump through some of this pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. uh, and as a relief, once you get to some of this, uh, the more run around in the camp stuff where like, nobody's fully voiced anymore. Yeah, you just yeah. Like, move through the text. Like, that's good. <laughs> but there's a lot of um, voice work in this too. Tons of it. A lot of it tons is voiced. It. And there's just rungs and rungs of copy to read. I think just the fact that they chose to set it in the Three Houses world and have that set of characters and have that situation and have that layout. Like, the focus they chose on this has worked way better than having it be a best-of Fire Emblem yes. game like the last one. Yeah. Like this, this is um, this is shocking. This is shockingly good. Yeah, I was blown away by it. So And, like, I can't wait to get to the next action, like action-based battle. I can't wait when the battle's over to see what happens next. I can't wait yeah. to go upgrade all my stuff at the camp, and then yep. I can't wait to go do the next battle with my upgrades. Like, it, it's a it's a gameplay loop that just works in a way that the Musou games haven't for me in years. And it also years keeps you on years. your toes because it'll say, okay, here's a mission objective. But then it'll just start throwing stuff at you. It'll just start adding yeah. things. Like at the end of this mission, like they throw a huge creature into the map. And yeah. like, hey, now you got to fight this huge dinosaur looking yeah. thing. Like, And how you fight those is different from how you fight normal. Yeah. It's not just like whack away at a big thing, like a yep. big enemy. There's like, you have to take it apart piece by piece. Yep. And you have to ch- ch- pick, you know, you can do it with a non, you know, with a non-optimal character class, but you, it's going to work a lot better if you do use the optimal character classes, and that's interesting too. Yeah, and you got to pick who you bring to each battle, and you know how is your relationship with those characters, and, and 
it matters. And are their classes the right lineup for this? Like, you, you know, what are you going to run into? You got to predict what you might run into because you might end up with not enough. You pick, take your favorite characters. They might not be the right classes to deal with what you might run into. I mean, into. I just make sure that I roll with like a, a, very, a good variety very crew. Yeah. yeah, just so I have somebody who can handle every enemy. It's really good. And if there's a demo in the eShop right now that is like crazy long yeah. and your save transfers over to the final game. Yeah, you are definitely going to know whether you want to play the final game oh, yeah. by the time After you finish you, I mean, demo. I kept playing and playing. I'm like, is this... I'm whole... ready for it right now. I thought that they... I'm like, did they screw up and like they gave the whole game like to the... De- like... No, I think this game is really <laughs> long. <laughs> it must be. Um, and there's like all... You know, you can juggle hundreds of soldiers. At, well, I think my top combo was something like 8,000 hits or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's nuts. It's fun. Yeah. I, I'm blown away by this game. I couldn't believe it. So... Yeah. <laughs> It's, go da- go download the go play the demo like no like absolutely like there's there is probably nothing you could do better with your gaming time this week than play this demo or play the quarry <laughs> either one but um yeah but Another, the quarry uh, isn't free it's true yep uh, that's fire emblem warriors three hopes that's two huge thumbs up from matt and i and i can't wait to get the final code for nintendo to keep playing yeah i'm gonna go home and while i'm rendering this show i'm gonna play more of this yeah after i finished i was like looking around at like Maybe I should get a Dynasty Warriors game until the <laughs> and like no, no, like, I, no, I was looking up impressions like no, nah, you look at that four point one Metacritic for Dynasty yeah, Warriors I'm just nine. Wait and, <laughs> no, I mean, if I was going to get one, it would probably be Dynasty Warriors eight Ultimate Edition because that's like twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, or Sam. I always like the Samurai Warriors games better. Yep, I hear you. But, uh, but anyway, that's two gigantic thumbs up for Matt and I. What a pleasant surprise too because we did yeah. not discuss this at all. That was us on the show live discovering that both of us loved it yeah on the fly yeah it's really good it is really good we're not pulling your leg so if again as matt said go download the demo it's like four hours long you will definitely know whether you want to spend the money on the game or not by the time you wrap it up no questions so there you go fire emblem warriors three hopes next up I hinted at this earlier that Matt and I were going to discuss some of the indie games that have caught our eye over the last week and a half. As I said, Summer Game Fest has really been like Summer Indie Fest. There was one day that Vincent and I were curating, and I think we created game pages for like 40 indie games hmm. in one day. It has just been a deluge of indie stuff. But what I wanted to do is cut through all the chaff and just have Matt and I both discuss two games. Uh, somebody's asking if Fire Emblem is available on the PC, Xbox. Fire Emblem is a Nintendo series. Oh, yeah. Fire we actually Emblem never mentioned Nintendo. that. This is Switch exclusive. It yeah. will not be available on Nintendo. Fire Emblem is owned by Nintendo. Yeah. It's Switch only. We should have mentioned that. But sometimes I just assume that people know. But Yeah. yeah. But not everyone knows everything. So, yeah. It's uh, Switch only. Um, but anyway, Matt and I are going to discuss two indie games apiece that really caught our eye over the last week and a half. I think a lot of people think that, like, I hate indie games. I don't hate indie games. I just don't have a lot of interest in derivative indie games, like another 2D platformer or something that we saw a lot in the last week, another 2D Dark Souls game. Like, do we need more than more of those? Like, I'm just burnt out on the genres that just keep being recycled without anyone doing anything new because... One thing I wanted to say before we even discuss this is kind of my perspective on indie games. And for me, I feel like there's two or three different ways that people look or developers look at creating indie games or studios even look at creating indie games. The the one way that seems that seemed most common to me during Summer Games Fest is we're a studio that eventually wants to make AAA games. We're small now, we don't have a big budget, but we want to eventually be a big studio that makes games with big budgets. And so we saw a lot of 
single A, double A indie games where they're like action games where they're trying to make a Dead Space clone or whatever, but they don't have quite the resources. Or so maybe they make a game that's five hours long that doesn't look quite as good or whatever. That's one way that indie studios operate. But the other way is is studios that embrace the fact that they're a small studio and that they they almost take it upon themselves to say we we need to find some unique way to do something, some new twist on something to give our game a chance to stand out. And that to me are the indie games that are or the indie studios that are doing what they should be doing. They have limited resources, but that doesn't mean that their their imagination is limited in any way. So I tend to gravitate towards the indie games that have this unique mechanic, this unique setting, this unique way of doing something. And it's not necessarily about like, oh, the, the visuals in this game almost look triple A. They're like double A or single A. When I start looking at indie games that way, that's when I feel like indie games are at their worst. When they're at their best, it's when I'm looking at the concepts and the ideas behind the games instead. And so that's the way that I've kind of approached plucking out two games for me to look or to uh, focus on and highlight here on Game Face. Uh, with that in mind, Matt, what is your first game that you want to discuss? Uh, my first indie game is based on a multi-million dollar property owned <laughs> by Nickelodeon Studios, but it's still an indie game. Uh, it's Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, we've had our um, eye on this for quite a while now. Uh, I'm a big fan of the old Konami beat-em-ups. This looks like a good version of that, because um, the one thing you will learn if you go back to those old beat-em-ups is they're terrible. Um, <laughs> there's nothing to them. They're just yeah. designed to take your take your money. Like, people go on about how great that old Konami X-Men game is. The X-Men game is garbage. It's absolute garbage. <laughs> it's just designed to kill you as fast as possible. So you keep putting quarters in. So you keep putting quarters in, yeah. It was just like there was nothing else like it at the time. Yeah, and, and I did spend a lot of money on that game. Yeah, so <laughs> did I. It. But it's, it's, it's a bad game. Um, when you when you no longer have the 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 tension of will, will I have enough quarters to finish this, it's not as interesting. Um, this game is basically you've taken that concept and turned it into a full, uh, almost fighting game level beat 'em up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sort of in the in the in the in the the realm of um, uh, what they did with Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, you know, twelve years ago. Um, and you know, it's it's a tribute to those old games, but it's also a massive upgrade. Uh, they let you also play uh, uh, April and Splinter, and Casey Jones was announced, uh, was the big announcement, was that Casey Jones is in this as a playable character. Um, just about everything in Turtles lore you can think of is in here. They they even had a new rap song. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, following up on the grand tradition of Vanilla Ice. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, June 16th comes out in a few days. Yeah, uh, we'll be talking about this uh, next week on the show. And it looks looks fantastic. Yeah, it does. Um, and I am excited to play a good beat 'em up as well. It's like the Streets of Rage four. I thought that was going to be it. I like that, but it wasn't. I liked it, but it was didn't didn't blow the doors off or anything. No, it didn't feel like it was innovative in any way. It's like sometimes nostalgia is good enough, but not great, and that's how I would classify Streets of Rage four. This looks like a new level of beat 'em up mm-hmm. made for the modern player. Yeah. And Streets of Rage four just felt like it was trying to make Streets of Rage. If you want couch co op? It's got six player couch co op. That's crazy. If you have that many controllers. <laughs> and most people do not. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, we'll be talking about that in full for our next week's episode for mm-hmm. 305. So look forward to that next Tuesday. Same time, same place. Uh, my first pick, in my opinion, the indie game of Summer Game Fest or E3 22, however you want to describe it, is Cocoon. Have you seen this, Matt? Yeah. It looks cool. This game is insane. 
it's it's from uh, Jeppy Carlson. He was the lead gameplay designer for both Limbo and Inside. Um, and his words describing the game is, Cocoon takes you on an adventure across worlds within worlds. Master world-leaping mechanics to unravel a cosmic mystery. Cocoon is a unique take on the puzzle adventure genre where each world exists within an orb that you can carry on your back. Wrap your head around the core mechanic of leaping between worlds and combine, manipulate, and rearrange them to solve intricate puzzles. Interact with alien environments and biomechanical devices left behind by an ancient civilization. Journey through unique, diverse biomes, from industrial structures to massive organic caverns, and discover how they are connected to one another. It's bizarre, this game. Like, the one scene, I don't know if we've seen it because I was reading, where, it, like, it just, it, it unfolds, that unfolds, that unfolds, that unfolds, and then this little, like, being drops out of... Mm-hmm. It's this. It so. I often wonder if our galaxy, our universe, the Milky Way, reality as we know it, if we are just an atom on the fingertip of some other being. And this game kind of tries to demonstrate that idea that we are smaller than we could ever fathom, mm. and. I feel like this, to me, again, conflating what I said to start this this discussion, that is what I think indie games should be doing. This is a type of things that indie games should be doing. Like, things that not just question design, but make us question our long-held beliefs. Like, this is a stuff type of stuff that indie games can get away with that big-budget games cannot. There's no way you could make a game like this and pitch it to somebody and say this is going to cost $150 million to make. They laugh you out of the room. And that is the strength of indie games. And I wish more indie game developers would strive to do stuff like this instead of saying, well, we made a Dead Space game for $3 million. This, to me, is what I think indie games should be. And if they were, if more indie games were like this, I would be behind them a lot more than I am. And so Cocoon, to me, just that shot right there. Cocoon to me, indie game of Summer Game Fest, E3, whatever you want to call it. What do you think of it? What do you make of it? Well, it's cool. I I envision being irritated by some of those puzzles. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, just sort of, oh, go in here, got back, jump back out here, get the thing, jump back in the thing. I can put the thing on the pedestal, now it opens this thing. Oh, I didn't have the thing. I go back out the thing. It's like, to your I, point, there are times where you hear about stuff like this, and then the actual practice of doing it mm-hmm. is really annoying. Yeah, the novelty wears off real fast. Yeah, uh, and that does happen things. with indie games sometimes. Mm-hmm. But even that first... Happens with AAA games. It does. But even that first 30 minutes where you're experiencing that spark of creativity for the first time, a lot of times that's worth the $15, the $20 that I spent to mm-hmm. experience something new after I've been doing this for so long. Um, so I'm really hyped on Cocoon. Really excited for it. Um, yeah. To me, the best indie game that I saw over the last week, week and a half. What's your second pick, Matt? Uh, my second pick is American Arcadia. Um, I'm a sucker for uh, overly cheerful dystopias. <laughs> um, and that is pretty much we what's happy going few? on here. Yeah. Well, and I didn't like that game because it's a survival game. But I like the premise. I yeah. like the aesthetic of it. Um, and I like this. This is, uh, this is basically uh, The Truman Show meets The Fugitive. It seems it seems like yeah that's what it does it is. seem that way yeah um, and it's kind of like a, a an isometric platformer sort of thing and you're just trying to escape 
from the uh, the forces of, of whoever's running this sort of weird Logan's Run style para- paradise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I like the aesthetic and I like the tone. I like what they're going for. And this is one of the few things that kind of stuck in my head over the rest of the noise. This game, so. I think, was actually debuted in April, I believe, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. And then they blew it out with gameplay and stuff like that during Summer Games Fest, where mm-hmm. it just kind of went under the radar when it was announced. And this was kind of its real coming out party here. Um, but you're right. This game stuck with me as well. It was one of the games that I was really, really mm-hmm. looking at when I was cutting it down to and also, my two games. Uh, I was very confused by the flashback two announcement because there's already yeah. because there's already a flashback two right. with fade to black. They also don't show the game. They also didn't show anything. Yeah, and like I was, and I was like, oh, I do like flashback, but I was like, that's weird about that. What was going on? There. And then like this reminds me of flashback in a more positive way. Yeah, than flashback two does. Yeah. So, well, we haven't seen flashback two. No. It literally, this, it's all footage of Flashback 1 in the trailer for Flashback 2. You'd think that would have shown at least a little snippet of what we could expect, but yeah, they didn't uh, They didn't really do that. So this is another one to keep an eye on. Um, I should also remind you right now that this is a good time to go on Sifted.net and follow these games. Uh, go to their game page and click the little gear next to the game's title and click follow. And anytime we have any updates on that game, it will appear at the top of your Sift. And then if you get tired of it, you can go back to the game page click the gear again, and turn it off. But I do this for games that really catch my eye that I fear aren't going to be shown a lot, like indie games. Um, so Cocoon, I followed it. As soon as I saw the trailer, I went and followed it on Sifted. And now anytime there's any updates about that game, it will pop to the top of my Sift. Uh, okay, and then my second game, again, following on the ideals that I laid out before we discuss this, is a game called Nitro Kid. Now, when I first saw the trailer for this, I was like, oh, this is my indie game of the show. And then as I investigated it more, it turns out that the game is a little more traditional than I thought, but it's still really cool. It's a roguelike deck builder set in the 80s, the neon 80s, uh, where you build yeah, the, your own... The 80s didn't really look like that, kids. No, they... <laughs> there was way more brown Yeah, in not the, the 80s, 80s that everybody... I grew up in. Like, I mean, everyone... It, this is what it's portrayed as now, but it was mostly paneling. Yeah, <laughs> wooden paneling. The 70s died hard. <laughs> it, yeah, it sure did. Um, uh, you build your deck of cyber kung fu moves. So it's a deck builder game, but each card is a kung fu move. And then you use those cards to build combos and fight through the floors of Infinity Tower... It features 30-plus synthwave tracks, one of my favorite genres. Um, and it's a mix of 80s kung fu movies, cyberpunk, and roguelikes. Um, so if you want to know what that Marvel Midnight Suns game is going to be like, this is a pretty good basis. That's actually a good point. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's set in a dystopian neon Miami. Megacorp Infinity has secretly captured kids with special abilities to turn their powers into military products. The goal is to save as many kids as you can and put Infinity out of business. Uh, it's got grid-based combat. Um, you can slide around enemies to find the best position to it for your attack combos. And you can also use the environment in combat. Again, just something that is never going to get a green light. Although you're right, Midnight Suns is not that too dissimilar to this. But generally, this is a type of game that's never going to get a big budget. And it's something that only can be created by indie developers. And it's something that I've never really seen before. It's a unique idea, unique concept. Um... I also like indie games that do this kind of cross-sectional visual. Mm-hmm. Mega Man Battle Network is not too far off this. That's true. That was kind of a... I mean, it's been a while since they made those. Legendary but... franchise, though. One that yeah. people always beg to come back, and it never does. Um, but yeah, that is my other one. And again, that is called Nitro Kid, if you want to follow it yourself on Sifted to make sure you get updates 
anytime we publish something or curate something from the game. But there you go. Those are our four big indie games. Now, before we move on, I do want to go to our chat because we have someone who's a good friend of ours, um, and he goes by the name Game Manual in our chat. He is an indie game aficionado, and I want to give him a second to tell us what he thinks the best indie game was at Summer Games Fest or E3, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, I think I saw him in here earlier. He was. Was he? Maybe he already said what it is. Oh, here he is, Game Manual. There are more indie games like this. Okay. What was your indie game of the show? And his real name is Rob. Rob Manual. Uh He worked with us at G4 for years. And he's an awesome guy. And he knows indie games out the yin-yang. So, what do you got? Did he leave? Maybe he left. I don't know. He may not not be... Paying attention. To, Maybe he's re- multitasking. I think so. I Maybe. put him on the spot and he didn't hear it. It is a work day. <laughs> it is a way well, you're right. It is a work day. People have stuff to do. Oh, here he is. Routine. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was also on my hot list. Yeah. That game looks pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably would have been my fourth pick out of uh, all the games that I saw. But that is that is also a really good one. Another one to keep an eye on. Uh, Eat Demon says Pucky Squire and Metal Hellsinger. Metal Hellsinger, I don't know. Yeah, I like I, mean, I like the cool, I, I like the idea, but like the idea isn't very unique. That's honestly. not the idea is not unique, but the main thing I don't think that I think you know the point of like kind of uh, do the thing to the beat game is sort of like it's an interesting limitation. Yeah. But I don't think it's an interesting limitation on a first person shooter. No, you know I think that would just be irritating. Yeah, I agree. Um, like Rise of the Necro Dancer is sort of like the like the er example of that, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just don't. I don't. That doesn't look. That did not look fun to me. Yeah. To watch that played. Uh, I feel like I would like it in a different something. Yeah. Not sure. I did like the guys who were making like the the they did, yeah the live action thing of the guys making it. They seem to be very much. They're passionate. They definitely believe in what they're doing. <laughs> so I appreciate yep. that. Yeah, me too. I love passion. Period. Anytime someone's passionate about something, I can pick up on it right away. Those are the the type of people I like to surround myself with because they're the people who are going places. Um, and Vincent says you can try Metal Hellsinger now there's a demo on PC and console if you want to mm-hmm. check it out I definitely recommend though Routine if you're into any games also follow that on Sifted again go to his game page click the gear choose follow it'll show up at the top of your Sift from there on out so thanks Robert Manuel for hooking us up I know you're like the indie guru it's always, always good to get your input on what you think the hot new indie stuff is so alright let's move on we're going to talk next about something for not very long <laughs> Because we talked about it last week, and I worried that what I had played may be all that there was to play. And as it turns out, I was right. And that game is Mario Strikers Battle League. It is the new arcade-style soccer game for Switch. It just came out on Friday. Again, I previewed it last week on the show. And now that I've played the final version that Nintendo sent me, it that demo had basically everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. I, I, I was shocked that that's the only, that's the whole roster. That's it. In the final game, there's ten. There's ten mm-hmm. characters. Matt, there's five pitches in the game. I thought, oh, the five like fields that you could choose. I figured that was like a third. No, that's all of them. Wow. The demo had everything in it. I was like, wait a minute. So what modes? <laughs> there are modes in the final version, but one, the main single player mode is just like um, the cup races in Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. You pick your four players, and then you just play in a ladder against CPU teams. That's it. That's all the single-player mode there is. And then there's playing online, multiplayer against other players, and then there's this other mode called um, Strikers Club, 
which is like ranked. Basically, it's it's kind of like what they have in um, Nintendo Switch Sports, where it's this whole mode. It's all about rising up the rankings against other players. That's called Strikers Club in Mario Strikers, and that's it. Hmm. That's all there is in the game. The game is sixty bucks. Just the continuing the tradition of the sport, the Nintendo sports games on the Switch being really under under baked. Matt, this is the worst of them all. Wow, by a worse mile. Worse than tennis. Because worse than tennis, way worse than tennis. Hmm. At least there were like fun, like extra arcadey modes in the tennis game. The golf game actually had like a single player mode where you went around this like overworld and like talk to characters and there was like a plot line this is the worst of all nintendo switch sports games as far as content is concerned hmm. now i will say this last week when i talked about it it seems I, weird because it feels like this would probably have the biggest like widest appeal i know i know like just think about fifa all the modes that are in fifa and all the, the ways that they find to squeeze entertainment value out of the sport of soccer there are so many ways that you can do it they can make an ultimate team but they need more than 10 characters. Yeah. <laughs> so last week, a lot of my fears when I talked about this game ended up becoming true. Now, one thing I did say about the game last week was that I was having problems following the play and following the ball. And I was said that I was going to spend a lot more time playing it to see if that continued to be the case. And I will say that I got a lot better at this game as I played it more. And I did eventually get to a place where I could follow the ball a lot more easily. Still, there were times where I, I'd get lost. Like, there would be a bunch of, like, quick passes, and the ball would go flying off somewhere, and, like, someone would hit me with a shell at the same time, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on for that split second. But it did get to a point where I could follow the play and essentially play the game with some semblance of skill. Now, going online and playing against other people online, that'll get you in shape real quick, man, because mm. you can tell there's a lot of people who had played that demo a lot, and now they're playing the final version, and they are tough to beat. So... A lot of it was just getting my butt kicked and then that motivating me to learn the ins and outs of the games and get better at the game. The actual soccer in this game is pretty good. One of my other major complaints is that you never control the goalie. And the goalie AI in this is pretty dumb. Like, I eventually figured out that as long as you're doing one-timers pretty easily, it's pretty easy to score in this game. Um, now, when you play against human characters, it's a little tougher because... They're tackling a lot more. They're using the power-ups a lot more. But, like, playing through the brackets in the single-player mode in this, I made it to, like, the third one, the third cup and just quit. I was like, this is annoying. And the crappy part is that you need that to unlock, like, all the extra parts that you use to snap onto mm -hmm. the characters. So, um, and again, you know, just a reminder from when I talked about it last week, like, gear is a part of this game, unlocking, like, new cosmetics for your characters. But they never make your character op so if you attach a new helmet that gives new strength like a plus two to strength for mario it will take two away from some other characteristics so you're not building like these unstoppable soccer monsters that can just go into a match and destroy people every time you add a piece of gear it takes something away from somewhere else so it gives you flexibility in how you build your team but you're not building an op team um but yeah, other than that, everything else I said last week about the game, nothing else has really changed about it. It's $60. This game mm -hmm. is $60, Matt. And in good conscience, I could never recommend that anybody buys this game for $60. Bucks. It's, I can't believe they're charging $60 and they're, they send it out with those modes. I guess they're just assuming people are going to get latched into the multiplayer. And I mean, truth be told, 
a good multiplayer game, it is hard to ascertain its value because if you really get into it, it's uh-huh. worth five hundred dollars the amount of time that you're going to get out of it. Because if you get hooked on this game, you can play it for hundreds of hours, and then sixty dollars seems like a bargain. But that's just not generally how we how we evaluate sports games. They are held to the same like this. To me, I hold this game to the same standard as I would hold FIFA if I was evaluating FIFA. And if FIFA only had like a bare bones single player mode in multiplayer, it would get hammered. And so, and it wouldn't sell. Let's be honest. If it didn't have Ultimate Team. How well would FIFA sell with that ultimate team? Not very well. So it is very stylized and it is kind of fun and funny. Like some of the the over-the-top kicks and the over-top moves are clever and the animation's amazing. The game looks really good. Um, but eventually you see all the all the over-the-top kicks and you, you want to just like turn them off and not see them anymore. Um, it wears out eventually. Um, but yeah, 60 bucks is way too much for this game unless you're just like, you know, you love this franchise from the GameCube and Wii eras, and you want to be able to play it online against people now. Probably worth 60 bucks then, but otherwise, I would just stay away. And as we always say with Nintendo games, we can't really tell you to wait for a price drop, because that doesn't really happen. Yeah. But um, really disappointed in this game, more so than any other Mario Sports game for Switch. It is the worst of the bunch by a significant factor. So, there you go. That's Mario Strikers Battle League. Stay far, far away. And now for our final topic of episode 304, we're going to wrap up the other E3 Summer Game Fest press conference that's happened since we talked to you guys on Sunday, and that is the Capcom Showcase. However, I think Capcom's big problem is that it, sh- it was so sharing with everybody else, mm-hmm. with Jeff and with Xbox, that ultimately there wasn't a whole lot to show in yeah, its I own showcase. I didn't know there was even anything new in this except for Exoprimal. Yeah, well, we'll get to Exoprimal. But yeah, there was some new stuff. Um, first of all, they showed the first gameplay of Resident Evil 4 Remake. And it's very short. It's like 49 seconds hmm. of gameplay footage. But they do finally show us what the game looks like in-game. And Matt, it looks way better. And it looks way spookier. But it... It's you can see here's the opening of the game. It's mm-hmm. nighttime. It's dark. Like one thing I liked about Resident Evil 4 is a lot of the game took place in the daytime. That was a huge shift for a Resident Evil game. It's always dark and grimy. Resident Evil 4 a lot of it took part in the daylight. And I thought that that gave the game a different angle. Now the opening scene is taking place at nighttime. It's in the dark. It's definitely more creepy. It definitely looks way better. But I do feel like it takes a little bit away from the core experience. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, a little bit. Like, there's, and that looks more like it's in the day a little bit. But uh, like that was sort of the one of the things about um, Resident Evil Four is like, and I think that's one of the, the sh- it's supposed to be one of the shocking moments is that like that it does happen. That thing in the, the village at the beginning does happen in the day. Yeah, it's like oh this. No one's hiding anything here. Nope. This is just, this <laughs> it's just right out in the open. Yeah. So like yeah, so that was sort of a, an advantage. This, I don't know. Like this feels like uh, it, also there was a mundanity to the opening where it's like oh you're just going through the woods like an Eastern you know, European woods and there's moving and shooting by the way. Yeah. They made a point to put that in here. Yeah, they're like oh we're gonna show them that there's moving and shooting and right here they put this little yeah. clip to show you. You wind long enough and you get what you want. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't necessarily peg that as the opening of Resident Evil Four. Yeah, if you told me that. Yeah, feels uh, tonally completely different, right? Yeah, still looks great. 
And I'm yeah. still going to play it. I'm still excited for it, but a little disappointed to see that. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I mean, the I'm ready for it. this to be a, a very different take on the material. Yeah. That's fine. Yep. Um, so that was what they showed at Resident Evil 4 because they had already showed the debut trailer for it elsewhere. And they just left themselves with that first little snippet of gameplay. We should be getting a lot more here soon because it comes out in early 2023. Next up, Resident Evil Village updates. Um, there is a new version of Resident Evil Village being released called... Oh, I lost my notes. It's called like the Golden Edition, I believe. Mm. Um, let me see if I can find my notes here real quickly. Because I had written all... Here we go. Um, it includes several elements. It has what's called the New Winters expansion, and it includes three parts. There's a third-person mode for the main story, so you can play through the main game again from the third-person perspective. There's a new story content called Shadows of Rose, which is a chapter where you play as Rose in a, as an adult. Now, you may not remember, but Rose is the little baby. Right. And I don't want to spoil too much about the end of Village for people who haven't finished it, but obviously by the end of the Apparently game... Apparently she lives. She... <laughs> She lives, and she's also not a baby anymore at the end mm. of the game. Um, so, and, and I didn't really spoil anything by saying that. But it, it features what was the baby in the game as the main playable character. They did not say exactly how long that was going to be. And then there is new Mercenaries content with Chris Heisenberg and Lady Demesque as playable characters. Playing Lady Demesque. Demetresque. Demetresque as in mercenaries sounds crazy mm -hmm. capcom even made a point to talk about how tall she is and how that changes things i mean you can see right yeah. there that's that shot look how she's like looking down yeah she's like nine feet tall <laughs> look at the perspective of it you're looking down on all the enemies like they're little like they're just ants <laughs> makes you a bigger target though it does yeah i think that's pretty cool though um and this new version launches on october 28th and then the real kicker is, Matt, remember that horrible-looking multiplayer mode that was supposed to launch with Village called Reverse? No. You don't remember that? Not really. It was like, it didn't look anything like Village. It was like this cartoony-looking Resident Evil that had, like, all characters from, like, all the games in the series. Um, I guess so. I mean, I don't blame you for, like, wanting to shut it out because it looked, it looked and was terrible. It's coming out as well on October oh. 28th with this new edition. So thanks, Capcom. Capcom will not let Resident Evil Village die. It is just going to keep on chugging. Um, and I'm guessing most people wouldn't complain about that because uh, it was a pretty good game. And they, they spent a lot of time on the next Monster Hunter expansion. Mm -hmm. um, the Rise expansion or uh, a world expansion? No, it's called something else. It's called Sunbreak. Yeah. And that comes out on June 30th. Yeah, that's so that's Rise. Out. That's the Monster, Monster Hunter Rise. Rise yeah, it's available for Switch and PC. Mm -hmm. And then the DLC is called Sunbreak. And right. that comes out on the 30th at the end of the month. And uh, just very quickly, it has new monsters, a new jungle area. Um, the catch is that you need to have defeated the final boss in the base game to be able to access it, though. Oof. Yeah. And I did not get to the end of that game. Because that's, that's no joke. That's a lot yeah. of dedication. Didn't even play it. Yes, I, I don't. I think it might cut a lot of people out, um, and myself included. Unfortunately, there is a demo available for it. That's very similar to the demo for Rise that came out. Uh, it's a nice little chunk of play, so you can check it out okay. before you decide to pull the trigger. I think I'm done with Monster Hunter unless they do more of the stories games. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that was good. That the turn-based RPG, I mm -hmm. thought it was really good. I liked it more than Rise, honestly. And I know that's sacrilege to a lot of people who like Monster Hunter, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, and then finally. Oh, Resident Evil 7, 2, and 3 are getting next-gen patches. 
Um, mm. And also, if you own those already, you get the upgrade for free. So PS5 and That's Xbox nice. Series versions coming for all three of those games. And if you own the base game, you get the free upgrade, which is cool. Dragon's Dogma, 10-year anniversary. They focused a lot on Dragon's Dogma in this, which I thought was a little weird. It, the whole Dragon's Dogma thing, to me, is weird. Like, there's a Netflix show and, like, mm-hmm. all this stuff that happens around it, but no games. Yeah. Why is that? And they did an online game yeah. that never came here. Yeah. Other than that, you're dealing with, like, a 12-year-old RPG that no one, you know, <laughs> they put it out, like, over and over. You know, yeah. You, know, you can get it still on modern platform. And it's great. It's a great game. It is, yeah. But, like, it's weird that they keep acknowledging it and it's not making another one. Like, I mean, I keep thinking that, so the 10th anniversary actually is coming up in, yeah. like, a week. I think maybe they might announce the sequel. People keep saying maybe. So we'll see. Like at a certain point, you got to either do it or shut up. You got to crap or get off the plot, as they say. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing with Dragon's Dogma. Um, I do remember, though. I remember Miguel Lopez reviewed it for Game Trailers. And I remember he had played it for a couple days and he called me. He's like, man, he's like, this is really good. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, it's way better than I thought. He's like, you know, I want to talk with you about this tomorrow because I'm leaning towards like giving this a real high score and like I almost kind of want you to talk me down, but <laughs> yeah. And as it turns out, a lot of people felt the same way that Miguel did. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot because it's such. It does have a lot of elements of just like jank and and weird, like kind of that weird presentation. Mm-hmm. And there's like a strange, you know, weird localization to it where they're speaking like like some kind of broken form of middle english but it's not yeah. even real yeah yeah it's like it's like yeah, and, the, and the pawns like constantly babble nonsense the yeah. whole time and but there's a there's constant points where you're like but this is really fun like, like yeah. the combat's so good and the world is so interesting and the monster and the fights against the big monsters are great and like it's you pull all these things you, know, you become like super power like mages in this are maybe the most satisfying mages in the history of video games like yeah. they you're just calling down meteor showers and tornadoes, and it's yep. just like it's incredible. Like you feel like a god. And, you do. And, yeah. and like there's some shadow of the colossus elements. You can, like the, the yeah. other classes can climb up things and yeah. stab them in the head. It's like you know. It's, and then on top of that, it's all this like weird, like meme-y, like terrible. It's just like, it's like <laughs> wolves hunting packs originally. Like I have lines from that game stuck in my head ten years later that never leave. The pawn system is great. You really can go cool. in and, and pull out everybody, all your friends' pawns, and like yeah. get bonuses and send them stuff by using their pawn. Like, it's really good. Yeah, it's shockingly good. Yeah, like, and yeah, I understand that reviewers' feelings were just like because because about halfway through the game, you're like, this is great, but it is should it be? <laughs> is it great? Like you're you're just like, am yeah. I am I really liking this as much yeah. as I think I'm? Because there are it? there are obvious issues with it. Yeah, yeah, but. The, the good stuff overpowers yeah. the bad. And there's things, yeah. there's things, elements of it that I hate in most games. Like, the fact that you can miss quests if you advance so far far enough in the main quest. Like, a bunch of psychos will lock themselves out yeah. without any warning. And, like, you can accidentally advance the main quest and lock out. So, you know, so that can just happen if you yeah. go to the wrong area of a city or whatever. And, like, that should be infuriate me. But instead, I was like, oh, let's look it up and do it right this time. It's just like, like why do I have so much patience for this game? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's, uh, no, it's great. Yep. And then finally, I hope they do another one. I'd like to see another one. I think one they will. With a I, lot think of them. I don't know if it'll in a week or so. I don't know, but I think they'll do another one. And then finally, the game that Matt mentioned, Exo Primal, which is basically just a backslap to the face of people who want a new Dino Crisis game. Yeah. It is this to the point that they've clarified that it has nothing to do with Dino <laughs> yeah. Crisis. It is this weird like horde shooter, like tower defense shooter, where you hordes of zombie or hordes of uh, dinosaurs commit you, and you have to kill them. Like, why is this? 
Why does this exist and Dino, a new Dino Crisis does not exist, Matt? I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird. The game is also very weird. I think there's a open beta or something coming up for this as well. You'll be able to try it yourself. But this is like a full-fledged, full-priced game. This is not going to be like a free-to-play, like you pay for cosmetics type thing. It is going to be a full $60 or $70 game when it comes out. It's, it's team-based. Like, it's like somebody made like a Overwatch meets Earth Defense Force plus dinosaurs yeah. thing. It's very weird. <laughs> Yep, like it is Overwatch. Like that's the that's the shield from the night guy in Overwatch, and they're like they're escorting a big floating platform. Like with like that's that's Overwatch. Yeah, but Vincent there's says, dinosaurs. Vincent says because live service, and he's right. That's yeah. what this is all about. It's yeah. a live service game that you're also going to pay full price for out of the gate, which that always rubs me the wrong way. Um, there's the the sniper girl, woman from yep. Overwatch. Yeah. Like, um, the game story mode is called Dino Survival. There's We're, Reaper. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's yeah. all these equivalents. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Analogs. Where two squads of five race to complete objectives based on directives. Um, it's coming in 2023 for PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, and Xbox One. And as I said, there is going to be an early access period coming up for it in the near future. So I don't know what Capcom's thinking with this game. <laughs> They're thinking maybe this will get people to subscribe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking it won't, but that yeah. is so. It's so weird. It's like okay, so just hordes of rampage. Like it's like World War Z with dinos, basically. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't think Raptors really did that. Like, uh, well, I didn't think I Raptors guess, came out of like portals no, into other dimensions. I guess they're supposed to be like weird alien monster hybrid. Thing. I, okay. And sure. to my point earlier about just how- remake Dino Crisis, you weirdos. Like, what are you doing? And to my point earlier about how whacked out ideas never get the green light for big budgets. Yeah, I might want to eat your words at this time. Like, <laughs> apparently, if you're the right person at Capcom, you can get anything done. Apparently. So anyway, there you go. That is the Capcom Showcase for E3 2022 Summer Game Fest, whatever the hell you want to call it. Fire Native, you're thinking of Dragon's Crown. Yeah. Capcom played nice with everybody else, and I think that lowered the impact of its own presentation. But as you said, a lot of people didn't even know what was going on. So... Uh, probably Capcom played his cards right. It got a ton of coverage from Street Fighter VI from being a bigger part of Summer Games Fest, so I think it probably did the right thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it left it with not a lot, but it still, at least it still did something. A lot of other publishers didn't. So there you go. That's Game Face. You gotta pick your battles. You do. That's Game, and they picked, I think they chose well. That's Game Face 304, but before we go, we got Name That Game, people. Hmm. And this time... There is no way anyone is going to guess it on the first image. Yeah, you say that now. <laughs> I mean, I, there's a game, you know, the, 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 in the big Wordle trend now, and now there's all these different clones. And, this, and the, the game one is called, uh, was it, Guess the Dot Game. And it does exactly this. It, it yeah. throws up a, a zoomed-in screenshot, and, like, uh, and like you get, like, six chances. And it actually it gives hints. Like the second one will tell you what platform. Second image tells you what. I thought third maybe the third tells you what platforms it's on, and they'll tell you like what it's medic. Oh, the f- second image tells you the Metacritic score. Mm-hmm. The third image tells you the platforms, and the fourth image tells you the the year. Ah. and so you can kind of narrow it down. But there's like there, a couple of days ago, it was a close up of a of a road and a tree, and I knew that was Diablo. <laughs> like just 
Boom. Yep. I'm like, oh, it's Diablo. The first one was like, it was like four polygons intersecting. It was a like green and three brown. I'm like, that's Super Mario 64. Like, you just know these things. I don't it's know bizarre. why. I yeah. don't know why. I, it's like you can smell it. It's like, the, it's, it's like the only thing that could possibly be is an intersection of grass and brown dirt in Super Mario 64. I don't know why I know that. Yeah. Hey, Gohan Rage, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. Appreciate it. Although today's was very hard. Oh, yeah. You didn't get it? I did, but it took me four four tries. Okay. Well, you guys are going to take at least four tries to get named that game today. I promise you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not um, saying I'm going to get it, but they are. Okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, for those of you who have not played before or you're just joining our stream for the first time, I show you a series of screenshots, and you just have to guess the game that the screenshots are from. Um, as soon as you figure it out, put it in chat. You're playing against this guy, Matt Kyle. He's pretty good, but you have a one in forever. That's been a long time. And what we've discovered is that people just start guessing, like, they just type game after game after game name, hoping they get it right, and that does sometimes work. Um, people created different ways to avoid that, like leaving it up for five seconds. I don't think that's going to change anything, honestly. Um, I think I just need to be better with how I manage the screenshots, and we'll see if I did it this week again. I have learned to get over the disappointment of you guys getting it on the first <laughs> screenshot. Has he, though? <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, okay are you guys ready are you ready matt sure all right here is the first screenshot for name that game death stranding not death stranding <laughs> not body harvest <laughs> wow people aren't even guessing half-life 2 no death stranding no Last of Us 2, no. Everyone's guessing Death Stranding. I mean, it's a dark beach, so... Oh my god, somebody got it. Dark Souls 2? No. Blue Dragon? No. Ghost? No. Skyrim? No. Hellblade? Yep. Oh, the first Hellblade. Well, Hellbald, but... Hellbald. <laughs> he wrote, wrote Hellbald. How? Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, okay. How, though? I guess, yeah. No. <laughs> I wouldn't have come up with that independently. Nobody else now did. He's the that. only one that got it. And even you, when you were looking through the list, that was the last one you thought it was. Yeah, well, I was just going up. How did... Okay. Who got that again? Eric... Somebody. Arigato's son. Wait, I think you won already, didn't you? Guys, don't keep playing if you've won. Let other people win. And I also want to know how you got it from this screenshot. If you can just type in like a sentence or whatever, like what tipped you off. Because nobody else guessed that game. I screenshotted that game so hard on Steam. Beautiful beaches, he says. So you, you picked his favorite part of that game, apparently. That's not a beach, though. That's the thing. What is it? This screenshot is not of a beach. It's of this desolate, like, death wasteland. <laughs> like, it's hmm. not a beach. That bottom part looked like water to me. It's not. That's just dirt. Anyway, we'll go through the rest. Uh, Supermaster Gamer says it's because of the color. <laughs> okay. Does he ever explain it? Oh, I screenshotted that game so hard on Steam. Beautiful beaches. What the F? That's what, that's what he said. Hey, I said that's well, here's said. the second one. Yeah, I don't think I would have gotten that. Here's the third one. I would have known that. Yeah? Yeah. You didn't know that was Hellblade? Yeah. I would recognize the the way they they do the 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 plants on the rock. That's that's unique to the, I recognize that. Well, what you should have recognized is that there's bodies on poles back there. That's the element that I put in there for people to get it. I can't see that that clearly. In the top right, those two human shaped things. Those are bodies on poles. Well, one of them's covered by a wire, so from the camera. So. Yeah. Here's the fourth. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's her arm. Sure, her shoulder. Yeah, and then this was the one that would have definitely given it away. Mm-hmm. The fifth one. You guys are just too good. There's no. I don't understand what I have to do. <laughs> but if you if you did if you have one in this, do not play again. Let other people win. Not even sure if he actually has one. I just thought that he did. Arigato, have you won before? Yeah, I don't know. I keep doing my best. I mean, I think it really just I'm just have to blow up a pixel. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't I mean, believe like anybody. I, got like I that. continually say, if you know, you know. Um, I'm also playing Hurdle, which is uh, songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you basically start with one second, and you, if you don't get it right, you get another second up till 16 seconds. Yep. Um, and yeah, most of them I know in that one second. Like you get one note, but I know like there was uh, well, a few days ago it was. Um, um, Pretty Woman, Roy, Roy Orbison. All you got was one drum beat, but I knew that drum beat. I, yeah, that's I'd probably it. be pretty good at that. It's, I think. And it's, but sometimes it's just like no, it's either I know it on the first one or I don't know it at all. Almost it's like all that old uh, game show. Name that tune. I can name it in yeah, one note. I right. can name it in two notes. But then there's some that it's just like like I didn't get Mariah Carey uh, Fantasy, even though I know that song because I don't think I've ever heard the beginning of that song before. Because <laughs> the beginning the of the song on the album is like a slower sort of ethereal chorus thing, and they always yeah. cut that out for radio play. So I've never heard the beginning yeah. of that song yeah. before. And look, if Argato, if you actually have one before and you play it and you won again, it's my fault. I should say before we play, hey, if you've won this, don't play. So I forgot to mention that. That's on me. But I do say it every week <laughs> that if you've won before, don't play. Um, did he say if he had actually won before? Uh, yeah, he has won before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we already sent you a game as well. So, all right. Well, we'll just save the game we're going to give away today for somebody next week. Um, okay. We're going to do a very short Q&A because we're already over time. Mm-hmm. Before that, here's a word from our sponsor. A once-in-a-lifetime property is now available in northwest Montana featuring 92 acres of gorgeous wilderness, approximately one mile along the Blue Ribbon, trout-rated Kootenai River, and an eye-popping view of the Cabernet Mountain Wilderness Area. This is truly an outdoorsman's paradise. You can use the restored and remodeled barn with living quarters as a year-round home, vacation cabin, fishing retreat, horse ranch, or cattle ranch. Contact Doug DeShazer today for additional pictures, information, and an opportunity to view this very special piece of Montana. And with interest rates starting to rise, now is the time to pull the trigger on a home or property. Even if you're not able to relocate to Montana, worry not, sifters. Doug DeShazer has facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. He can find you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live in the U.S. Feel free to contact Doug with any questions regarding real estate at DeShazerMT at gmail.com or give him a call at 406-291-1643. That's 406-291-1643. Thanks again to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring Game Face. All right, we actually only have time for one question. I, I'm sorry, people, um, but we are way over time. Um, so we only have time for one, unfortunately. Now it's going to be hard for me to pick which one. I love you all. It's like picking my favorite child. Um, this is a good one. It's a long one. From Nessie 94 Shane, you're on the fence about canceling your Game Pass subscription. 
After seeing Microsoft's event and seeing many of the games that are coming throughout the next 12 months, do you still feel the same way? Although I was not blown away by the conference, there was still some great games I saw coming to the service that made me want to keep the service. Uh, no. <laughs> I would actually say that I'm more likely to cancel it. Um, I did not see a lot of stuff coming to Game Pass that got me all that excited. It was almost all indie stuff. Like, the Riot stuff I thought was a good announcement, but... You know, I had predicted before we watched it that we would see a lot of big third-party stuff that maybe Microsoft had signed to come to Game Pass to make up for the fact that it had no first-party offerings for Game Pass, and we did not see that. So, no, I'm more likely to cancel my Game Pass subscription now after what I saw um, during that presentation. What about you, Matt? you have a take on that? As long as Game Pass gives me one game worth playing a month, there's no reason for me to cancel it because it's about what that would be worth. Yeah. It's about, what, it's like 15 bucks a month? It is, but there? I haven't played anything on it for a while. I play. I think I've played at least one thing a month on it Yeah, every month. Like, I'm about to, that's how I'm going to get Ninja Turtles. Oh, but know? see, for so. me, it's like, if there's, it's not just about one thing that I played. Because it's like one thing that I, for me, it's one thing that I would have paid for that I did not then pay for. Like, you're right. Like, there are sometimes I'll find a game on Game Pass and I'm like, uh... I really wasn't interested in that, but it's free and it'll take mm -hmm. 90 seconds to download. I'll check it out. Like, sure. There's always going to be stuff like that on Game Pass. That's all I need. Yeah. See, for me, it's like, is there a game that I would have paid money out of my pocket for I would that probably I pay don't money have for, to... I mean, I would probably pay money for Ninja Turtles if I didn't well, I would have access too. to that, Game Pass. That game's an exception, though. Yeah. But, like, but generally, I would say there's at least something I might have thought about impulse buying that I didn't have to because it was on Game Pass. Yeah. And that's good enough for me. Okay. I, yeah. I understand that perspective totally. Uh, but, I mean, I think the bigger question he's asking is, how impressed were you with what Game Pass is going to have over the next six months or seven months or whatever, yeah. the rest of the year? And I'm a lot I, more impressed with what's going to be in the next 12 months yeah. rather than the next six months, right. I would say. Yeah. But if you decide to bail for the next six months, you're going to save yourself 80 bucks, 100 yeah. bucks. And or who whatever. knows, by the time it's time to resubscribe for Starfield or whatever, you might have a better deal yeah. ready to go. Money's tight for a lot of people right now. It's tough times with uh, inflation, gas prices, and everything, so... People are starting to think a little harder about how they spend their money, and um, I think a lot of people will be... Yeah, for one month of Game Pass, you could almost get a gallon of gas in LA. <laughs> almost a whole gallon. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that's it for Game Face, episode 304, a long episode today. I saw somebody, when we started the show, they're like, oh, there's going to be nothing to talk about. This show's going to be short or whatever. No, there's plenty to talk about. We have some big games for next week's show as well. Matt and I will both be jumping on... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You guys should, too, if you're a Game Pass subscriber. Um, and, yeah. Overall, this week was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, it was nice to not feel dead right now. Because normally by now, like, we actually wouldn't even do this show. We would wait until Friday, because we're exhausted at this point. We'd wait till Friday to do our best of E3 awards and wrap everything up. Uh, instead, we just were here two days later doing Game Face. So it's nice to not be physically and mentally destroyed in the second week of June for once. <laughs> Because usually every year, that's the way it is. Uh, so it's kind of nice to do it a little bit differently for once. And it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see how it all shakes out for 2023. But hope you guys enjoyed um, our coverage of what we did with Summer Games Fest in E3. Hope you enjoyed the time on Sifted on the site. Hopefully it saved you some time from using Twitter or whatever other website you use for your gaming information. That's why Sifted is there. Um, if you're listening to this show on podcast services or you're watching it on YouTube for free, hook us up if you can. Head to patreon.com slash sifted. Everything we do is supported 100% by our Patreon. If there's no money there, we can't do this. If you can't afford it, and I totally get it, we were just talking about how money's tight for a lot of people. Um, if you are a 
Amazon Prime member, you can give us a free $2.50 a month, every month, and you do have to re-up it every month, which is a pain in the butt. But to do that, if you haven't done it before, head down below in the description. Step-by-step -step instructions, it's very easy. If you have done it before, it's literally two clicks to renew it for this month. We'd really, really appreciate it. So awesome show, awesome E3, awesome Summer Games Fest. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out.